You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio. You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. The man who will bring justice to those who have poisoned my city. My name is Oliver Queen. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. and now my watch begins. Welcome to the Throne Room, the unofficial Game of Thrones podcast, a poppychuloradio.com and iTunes exclusive. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd, 2017, and I am your host, Brittany Garcia, Lord Commander of this particular night's watch. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the hit HBO series, Game of Thrones. Please welcome my co-host, Aura Careño. Hello, everyone. Clay B. Ladies, it is so good to hear your voices again. I'm so excited to talk about this. I've been waiting all week. And Priscilla Rocha. Same here. It goes here. We have a lot to talk about. It's going to be a good night. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. You see, we got the Kool-Aid man here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 6, titled Beyond the Wall, and aired August 20th, 2017. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. At Winterfell, tensions between Arya and Sansa grow. At Dragonstone, Tyrion counsels Daenerys about her upcoming negotiations with Cersei. Beyond the Wall, Jon leads a raiding party to capture a white to bring to the south as evidence of the White Walker's existence. After successfully capturing one, the group is surrounded by the White Walker army. Gendry returns to the Wall and a raven is sent to Daenerys for help. She arrives and saves the group from the Whites with the help of her dragons. Meanwhile, the Night King throws an ice spear at Viserion and kills him. Later, Jon pledges himself to the and the North to Daenerys as queen. In the final moments of the episode, the Night King resurrects Viserion, making the dragon a part of his army. Whew! That's a mouthful, guys. I feel like I wasn't breathing while saying that entire synopsis because that's exactly how I felt when I was watching the episode. I felt like I was reliving it as I was talking about it. And I tried not to cry at the end there because wow, we had such an episode. I, I want to talk about it, but I'm going to let you guys talk about it because I don't think I can. Um, this episode just was crazy. It was insane, and I want to hear what you guys thought about it. So let's start with you, Priscilla. How'd you feel about this? Episode? Oh my god. Like 
there was so much going on this episode. Like, you didn't even get a chance to pause or breathe or just, like, think about what the hell is going to happen. And even if you did, even if you thought something, like, nothing was going to happen, something happened. It was just, it was, it was a very good episode. I loved it. Damn, I love that you loved it because I loved it too. Um... I'm a little surprised. Actually, no, we'll see. We'll see with your rating. I want to know how your rating goes with this episode. I wonder if you're going to be like me. And I wonder if you guys can guess what I'm going to rate it. Because um, I feel like I'm a little predictable. So we'll see. I can guess. <laughs> Maybe you can. I can Maybe see you can. right through you, Brittany. We'll see. We'll see if you guys know me as well as you think you do. So, Clay, how would you feel about this episode? Um... Priscilla gave such a bright opening and I just have to... <laughs> Here's what I'll say about it. I had mixed emotions about it. Um, parts of it were brilliant. Parts of it raised an eyebrow and made me go, okay. <laughs> so that happened. Before the show, we were talking a little bit and I was saying that, you know, certain parts of this episode felt like a crossover episode, but like within the same universe of game of thrones like a crossover within the same show sometimes it pays off other times it doesn't but uh we'll get more into that as we discuss the episode damn the person i thought that would love the episode is the one with mixed emotions oh my god i'm an enigma wrapped in a mystery wrapped in some more mysterious stuff all right <laughs> seriously this is the game of thrones podcast when i think i know what you're thinking but I actually don't, so... Yeah, I you know, just, I'm, I'm, a little thing you, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm always surprised when <laughs> uh, me and Priscilla are almost always on the same um, page about these episodes, but now I we're not, and I'm a little sad, but maybe we can change your mind. Like, I always change Priscilla's, so I have that power. <laughs> That's my power. It's That's true. true. <laughs> Aura, are you with me and Priscilla, or are you mixed up, like, Clay is about this episode. How'd you feel? Um, I really liked it. I loved this episode. I thought it started off a little weird. Um, I, I think it was just the fact that we were seeing all these characters together what like threw me up um, a little bit. But holy crap! Like some, I have to say, like, well, we get into details later. But it was more of the storylines that we were following like I loved the stuff beyond the wall and I hated the Winterfell stuff and like I just uh, I kind of have mixed emotions too but um, it, I lean more towards the positive side um, but I did have some problems with it so I'm excited to talk about my problems <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I kind of agree with you Otter. I think in your just Description. I like. Uh, I. I can definitely see where your perspective is coming from. I think overall it was a good episode, but much like you, I had my qualms with it. But we. I think yeah. Well, we'll go we'll dig deep in the next hour or so. Oh yeah, we're gonna dig pretty deep because uh, we got a lot to say. But before <laughs> we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Game of Thrones, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to iTunes or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. 
to binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. So, Aura, you mentioned that there was something you didn't like about the episode or sections of the episode that you didn't like, which was Winterfell. And that's what we're going to start off with because, to be honest, I'm with you 100% girl. I am super frustrated with the Winterfell storyline. I think... There's a reason why they're doing this, but I don't like it. I I hate it. Although some people are saying that the Winterfell stuff is what Game of Thrones is built on. It's what it's always been. That you're not really sure what's going on. There's more than meets the eye. I mean, we get Arya confronting Sansa about the letter. And they're just bickering with each other. You know, Arya's like trying to tell Sansa like, Oh, I saw you with that dress. You were all proper lady when our father was going to get executed. But we all know that Arya was there when she saw Sansa um, when Ned was going to get beheaded. Like, Sansa was, yeah, she was dressed up, but she wasn't there to, to look pretty. She wasn't cheering. She was, she was struggling. Horrified. And Sansa looked like she was dying. Like, she and was like a living pedophile, dead person. That pedo yeah. guy was, had his arms around her, so she couldn't do anything. Like, I mean, Ugh. we know, but also we know Arya knows. Like, we have to because she was there on the statue watching. I mean, she, she explains what she sees there. It's just she's kind of twisting uh, what she saw because maybe it was so long ago that maybe she's remembering what she wants to believe. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not like that's never happened to us before. Sometimes yeah. we talk about a, a memory that we had so long ago that we kind of twist what we see. Like you the look at it through rose-colored glasses. Exactly, it's just you remember exactly. and play up the pop positive parts exactly like we know ned dies but maybe she's not remembering the details around her or maybe she is and this is all a game so we get that first confrontation where the tensions are running high and then we get sansa and Littlefinger talking she's kind of not confiding in him but he kind of knows what's going on i mean after last episode where we, we saw him hiding in the shadows it's safe to say he's been hiding in the shadows the entire time of this season we did, didn't did anyone feel did anyone feel when he was taught when she was talking to him? I'm like, why are you confiding in this guy? Why are you even talking to him? It, you 
doesn't make sense. Just it, I don't know. There no, has to I, be something larger because I, I felt I exactly okay. that. For I think it's fine because this is what happens. Like like she talks to she talks to Littlefinger. They they're talking a little bit, and Littlefinger suggests that uh, she gets Brianna on this. That you know she tells she confides in her and tells her that you know there's something going on between me and Arya, or just to kind of get her more on her side. That's like Littlefinger's intent here. He basically says that if it if worse comes to worse, at least Brienne won't betray her and that Brienne will be on her side. That's what I was getting from Littlefinger suggesting Brienne be brought into this. But what does Sansa do right after? She says she gets a letter from Cersei being invited, which is not out of the blue for us. Like I get it because of what's going to happen uh, with Daenerys and Jon and everything after we find out what happens in the episode that they're all going to go over there. So it makes sense that she's inviting everyone uh, to go over there. But it is very weird. She's directly inviting the Lady of Winterfell, whom she wants to kill, to go. And Sansa tells Brienne, you go in my stead, and that's that. Um, To me, I think that she sent Brienne away so Brienne doesn't get mixed up in what's going on. Uh, I, I think that's all that that is and i'm okay with brianne leaving i think sansa it she knows Littlefinger. i think more than anyone she's been shutting him down all season this is not the time where she's turning to him this is the time where she's sending brianne away so she can do what she needs to do in my opinion what do you guys think that's not that her sending brianne away was rude as fuck like i don't know like yeah she she treated her like she was her servant or something like that and I remember like seeing it and just being like, Brienne it would do anything for you. Why are you treating her like that? And I then a part of me is like, okay, if you're treating her like that, you really want her gone. Why would you want her gone? How does this benefit you? And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this means that there's a bigger scheme at play. That both of the sisters know what they're doing to Littlefinger and they're playing him. But I don't know how it helped. Like, I, I need to be smarter to figure this shit out. I have no idea. <laughs> What's that old school movie with the dog and the boy? And he's like, go on, get. And he, like, throws the rock at the dog. That's what this scene reminded me of. Because I do think there has to be something larger at play. Because I just, they cannot, these two characters cannot be this easily manipulated. After everything that they've survived. One in Essos, one in Westeros. Um, I, if this is going in a direction where they betray each other this is it would just really i'd feel cheapened you know which is something i've never said about this show um but what i do think is happening is i I hope that they're orchestrating some larger kind of scheme against little finger they're essentially out little fingering little finger um i don't know there wasn't a ton of evidence to point to that in this episode there were a couple of things where it's like okay um but i read an interview with the guy who uh directed the episode and he was saying you know i want people to really be tense in that scene and you want to feel like you know one of them could die at either time um and he was saying that you know this is going to end in a surprising way so I, I hope to goodness that this is just the end of Littlefinger. Because, Brittany, you know, a couple episodes ago, you talked about what is Littlefinger's place in the supernatural element of Game of Thrones and how he didn't really fit into that world. And I think you may be right. Um, I'm hoping that they do, like, a, a tag team on him and they just uh, just outmaneuver him for once. Somebody finally puts it into him. 
Aura, what do you have to say about some of these scenes with uh, with Sansa and Arya? Do you think they are planning something, or there's something going on in the you know in the background that we don't know about, or are you taking it at face value? Wow, um, <laughs> you know, I really hope that it is that um, they're planning something out because otherwise, Arya, there is something wrong with her. Like she's too I, cold. She's too. Yeah. Yeah, and, I feel you. Yeah, and like I'm a and I'm a big Arya fan. I did I didn't like um, her storyline in Bravos that much, but um, I feel like I can relate to her a lot, and like the way that she feels out of place and stuff, all of that. And I like her because of that. But right now, she's she's uh too. She feels like she's too full of herself, and that she thinks that she knows everything, and that. You know, she when they have when they are having this conversation, and she's like, "Oh, like uh, Sansa's like, oh, you don't know what I've been through. Like, you don't know what what has happened to me." And it's the truth. Like Arya went in the journey of her life. Like she did everything that like she kind of wanted to do. You yeah. Know? Like yeah, like she did get like she went through some pretty rough shit. But it's nothing like what Sansa went through, in my opinion, anyways. And I know they're very different, like, trips that, like, very different uh, storylines that they had. And they were both um, rough for them. But in my opinion, like, Arya went to college and Sansa went to hell. Like, that's what it felt like. (laughs) That's the perfect description of that. That's, like, a really astute analysis for sure. I agree with you. I think that Arya saw the realization, all the stuff that she wanted to do, right? She wanted to train. She wanted to do this. Um, She got everything she wanted. So did Sansa. She did go to King's Landing. She was going to be the queen, but she got what she wanted in, like, the most twisted, ironic way. You know, that whole be careful what you wish for type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, um, I just, like, Arya came off really, really unlikable. To me, anyways. I know some people, like, really hate Sansa and want her dead. But um, I'm with Sansa right now. And yeah. about it's a Brienne, mix-up for me, but yeah. Yeah. And about Brienne, I was really confused about that, too. Because, like, you have them having this whole conversation about, you know, having Brienne by your side. And then she sends her away. Which is, like, really weird. But, um... I really hope that there is, like, more to this. Because right now, it just feels like Winterfell... Winterfell feels like a filler right now. It feels like they just want Mm -hmm. something for you to, like, have at Winterfell. While, you know, the important stuff is happening at the Wall and in Dragonstone. Yeah, they're kind of, like, dangling. It's like dangling keys in front of a kid. And it's like, hey, you guys like these girls, right? Yeah, look, it's Maisie and Sophie. Hey, pay attention over here. Um... We have to hope, you guys, I'm holding out sincere hope that this is going to end in some kind of satisfying way. It doesn't even necessarily need to be good or happy, you know, even if it's devastating. The one thing that Game of Thrones has never been is unsatisfying, even when it rips my heart out. You know, the Red Wedding was devastating, but great TV. I can't rewatch that scene, but it was unlike anything I've ever seen. So I'm just trying to be optimistic. I'm just putting faith in the writers. Please, guys, don't, don't, come on, pull through. Yeah, I, I think... I, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Can I ask if you guys 
legitimately felt scared for Sansa because I've asked other people this before and they were like, no, like you knew Arya wasn't going to kill Sansa. You knew that she was in no danger. And I was like, well, maybe like I'm pretty like convinced as a TV viewer. But I remember when she got really close to her with the dagger, I was like, you in danger, I, girl. I, I, was, I, <laughs> I, I was tense, but I... I still didn't believe that Sansa was gonna go because that doesn't make sense for her arc. That's just the way I am when I watch the show. Like I'm watching, I'm taking it at face value, but I'm also really thinking about where our characters have gone and like where they are now. So I really that sec- I wa- this was the second time I watched the episode. The first time I was like, oh my god, what's going on here? The second time I watched it, I thought about what she was saying i feel like Arya is not so much trying to threaten sansa i think she's just telling her what she's capable of and not that she's gonna do it to her but that she could do it to anyone and i think that's also the purpose of the brianne versus Arya spar that we got because people are like why are you sending away brianne she can she can be the only one that can protect you i'm like Arya can protect her now like, I, I, I'm actually okay with Brienne leaving. I always want Brienne around there, but I'm okay with her leaving. I feel like that last scene where she gives her the dagger is kind of like, I'm offering you my services to you here. I That's exactly what I think it, Arya was saying in that very last scene. And if you notice, too, most of the time they're fighting, Arya and Sansa, and they're bickering, it's almost always within range of someone being able to, like, be listening, like, around them mm. the door was open when Sansa was looking through Arya's room and when they were talking in the top of like Winterfell's like balcony like it looks like no one's there but remember around like season one or season two Littlefinger had like little holes everywhere little peak holes uh in King's oh, Landing yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he has some of that shit going on in Winterfell I mean, wow. what else is he doing? What else is he doing there aside from following Sansa around sometimes? And then what else? I yeah. really feel like this is a show where they have something, um, where the two of them have something plotted. I don't know if it already happened and they're, they, they've plotted it and they're going through with it. Or it's barely happening and Sansa's catching up to it. I'm not sure. I don't know, but it just seems too convenient. Like... Uh, the door being open and then they're just fighting and everyone can watch them fight. Like, I don't know. It just That's how it seems to me. And I, I, I refuse to believe that Arya is going to come back to kill her sister just because she has some lingering childhood feelings of not liking her sister. But she tells her father in season one, I don't hate Sansa, not really, if you guys remember that. So yeah. I, I think really. we're okay. Not really. Like She's annoyed <laughs> by her, but she doesn't hate her. Um, and also, just a point, in the Game of Faces, when she's telling Sansa what she can do, she was saying, like, all I have to do is cut off that face. I've always wanted to know what it's like to wear my hair very pretty, wear pretty dresses. And isn't the game talking about, like, whatever you say, the person has to tell if you're lying or not? I think, in a way, Sansa kind of knew Arya was lying in that moment, because Arya's never wanted to wear pretty dresses. She's never wanted to be what it was like to be Sansa. I think it was just her lying, and that's why she gives her the dagger. These are all my thoughts. I don't know what you guys think about it. I hope I'm, <laughs> convinc- I hope I'm convincing you. Um, I'm hoping I think you're right. The... Like, I, I, like, I like that interpretation. I like where you're going to, yeah. Yeah, me too. But I was scared, though. But it had to be... But look, this wasn't my first watch. It was on the second watch. 
Because on the first watch, I, w- I had too much anxiety of what was going on. I was more focused on what was going on with the boys than with the girls. Because I do like that Game of Thrones style where people are so plotting and you don't know what's going on. But then when you find out what's going on and then you rewatch the season, all the foreshadowing and the hints are there. You just have to really pay attention. So with knowing with everything that happened the first watch and the second watch, I was able to really pay attention to what's... Arya was saying and to what Sansa was saying and their movements and what was going on so that's how I interpreted everything yeah. and also for Sansa I feel like she still has some PTSD I really hate that the writers are doing this to her first with Bran yeah. and then with Arya about like oh well I can think about a lot of things about torture I'm like you can think about like painful torture you're not thinking of like sexual abuse and harassment exactly. that um, your sister went through so it's just Sansa has uh, a, a, this thing where she feels like no one can really protect her, even though she has Bri- uh, Brienne around. She even said that to John last season, so that's why she's really harsh with Brienne, where she's like, I don't feel comfortable leaving you alone. Uh, I'm the only one that kind of can protect you, and Sansa keeps saying, no one can protect me, or, you know, I can protect myself. Like, she's very, you know, all about herself. Like, she's like, I can only protect myself type of thing. So that's, that's how I played it off with that scene. Oh my goodness, you guys, I literally sitting here recording this just came up with a theory of what I think is happening in Winterfield. Bear with me or listen with this. So noticeably absent in this last episode, now that I think about it, I don't think we saw Bran at all, right? I don't think he was in Winterfell. I don't remember Bran seeing him in the tree, in his... just chilling, just charging. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just in his, like, new pimp-ass <laughs> wheelchair, just, like, <laughs> seeing all that is and ever will be or whatever his deal is. What I think is happening is I think that Bran may have been working with them behind the scenes. And because he can see everything and all things, I think he might be helping them manipulate Littlefinger. This may be like a Stark triple, you know, I don't know. It's a little bit out there, it's kind of, uh, but I feel like, I was just thinking about it, like he wasn't in the last episode and then there was another character, Euron. Um, I feel like we haven't seen like at all <laughs> since That's the beginning true. episodes. That's very true. And remember, Brianna, Brian, I'm sorry, Bran gave the Littlefinger gave the dagger to, to Bran, Bran gave the dagger to Arya, and then Arya gave the dagger to Sansa. So, what did I say? I said that Littlefinger's probably going to die this season, right? I still think that maybe Sansa's going to be the one, maybe not to pull the trigger, but definitely going to be involved in his death. I think uh, that's, that's what that dagger means, and maybe she's going to tell Arya to kill him. I mean, I don't know. That's, what, that's why I said that I think putting the dagger in Sansa's hands is kind of like, you have the power to do this, and now I'm going to help you. That's like what I think that is. So... That dagger is of, of significance, so we can't forget what that dagger represents. Um, and what it's capable of. Yeah. And, and where it came from. I mean, this mm-hmm. was the beginning of season one, which led Caitlyn to abduct Tyrion and put him on trial. Like, it led to a lot of shitty stuff. And I think the only way to end all of this is to end the person who started it. Which was Littlefinger. He's like, that dagger belongs to Tyrion. So, I mean, it's coming from <gasps> Oh my gosh! Here. Do you guys think that Bran told Sansa and Arya that Littlefinger was really uh, a huge part of their dad's death? I hope so. I hope so. I wouldn't put it past them. Although they have more reasons to kill Spoil that it. shit, that Bran. Spoil that shit. I know that, like, <laughs> they're like, be like Bran. Don't spoil anything. No. Tell all yes. the tales, Bran. 
Trupo. That would make right I don't you guys. I'm starting to really commit to this brand theory. I'm locking it in, even if it's not the next episode. We'll see. Because he was just, I, I don't. It's, if he just didn't show up for the rest of the season or just had like in previous seasons where there's just five minutes of mystical brand before, you know, he disappears into the ether. I don't think they're going to do that. I think that uh, he's aware and he's self-conscious about what he's capable of and all the different things that he can see. I think it stands to reason that if he could see that little finger that said chaos is a ladder, I think that that was a bit of a, a veiled threat. And that is when, you know, he had the dagger that we're discussing. I really think Bran might um, be Doctor Who and he's, like, seeing the shit that's happening. And now uh, he's helping, like, uh, orchestrate this. I kind of feel like he might have a, a, a large hand in this. And we talked about, too, what Bran's role was really going to be with who he is now, which is the Three-Eyed Raven. And we were like, well, he kind of said that Bran... Bran Stark is dead you know he's not really there anymore and there's a lot of people wondering if he's dead and now he's always going to be the three-eyed raven or if he just had like an overload of stuff because he became the three-eyed raven too fast and that eventually maybe he'll find a way to connect to his humanity which is Bran Stark um, and then we'll get the old Bran back but he'll still be the three-eyed raven like there's a lot of theories flying and one of mine was that if he's the, well, since he's the three-eyed raven right now, and it looks like he has no emotional ties to anyone, like, is he going to really help anyone besides telling John like, his parentage and what he's seen where the Night King is? Um, but is he going to be helping, like, his sisters, you know, with Littlefinger, a real threat? Um, is he going to help them just to help them, or is he going to help them in the right time? Like, things with mm. time travel and knowing the future, sometimes people like to prevent what's going to happen, but inevitably they actually let what happens happen the self-fulfilling prophecy basically um you're you're actually think, doing yeah. what you're supposed to be doing so i'm wondering if he knows Littlefinger is going to die but in this moment at this time he can't say anything until this happens or maybe that's when he gave the dagger to Arya. like maybe he's already foreseen his death when he said chaos is a ladder and he's like okay i gotta do this we gotta do this and then this is gonna happen so it's just that's what I think it is. So it could be that, and I'm okay with that, but I still miss old Bran. I would really like to see him return, eh. but <laughs> I think he's, he knows a lot of stuff, but he hasn't said anything. So I'm that guessing... That is a single use, and he hasn't done it. It's like, Bran, you had one job. But maybe that's why he has, like, a, a schedule. Like, he can't abuse his powers. He needs to do it at the right time. And I'm wondering if we're ever going to come to a point where Bran knows something, and he's going to try and warn them ahead of time and then inevitably it's still gonna happen like i'm this I, I, is a tricky thing with time travel as a storytelling mechanic yeah. is that it is a pandora's box it can really heighten material and take it to the next level and give you a sucker punch just like oh my god you know it can be really well done i'm not saying the game of thrones isn't doing that or it can begin to kind of pull at threads because if you have one character who essentially has all of the knowledge of all that is was and could be it doesn't there's you're limited in terms of what you can do with plot like that um you know i can't even think of another character like that in modern fiction um i'm sure if i like i really thought about it, i could think of some weird obscure character but for purposes of not soaking up time here i think that it's going to be interesting to see the extent of Bran's powers. What is he capable of? What does he see? I want to hear about this in the most tangible terms that he can put it. You know, he has trouble yeah. 
with basic human interaction right now but i'm hoping that it's like that has to it he has to do something at the very least i think we're all kind of holding out for the re- the reveal of john's lineage like and with the title of the next episode which is either the wolf and the dragon or the dragon and the wolf um uh, Brittany, you were saying uh, earlier that it may be foretelling not about john and daenerys but maybe about uh liana was it and rhaegar mm-hmm. it could oh, be I it mm. could be all three, or or the third one being John, who is a product of the wolf and the dragon. So it legit that title mm. means three different things, or all three things at the same time. So it just depends when we watch the episode, which is really exciting. But that also kind of tells you that maybe we're gonna get some answers. But I don't know if it's gonna be John getting the answers because I'm pretty sure the writers of Game of Thrones so far like to tell us things first and then the characters and i'm just wondering how far we have to go to get that because all we've gotten is who um the father i mean who the mother is right now and think about casual viewers who are not like really into researching and watching the seasons over and over like my mom still doesn't know who the father is of like normal people who aren't us (laughs) yeah like she she knows it's not ned but she doesn't know who the father is because rhaegar's name has only been mentioned a couple times but not only like maybe once or twice associated with Liana, but my mom didn't catch on to that. Like we get right. it in the pilot of Robert talking about Liana and you know Rhaegar Targaryen or all the Targaryens, but my mom doesn't remember that. So I think they're gonna give us Rhaegar very very soon, and I'm really excited for all of that. So and when I said about us um, being told stuff as the audience, I think that's also what they're doing with the Stark sisters. You know, just to wrap up the Winterfell storyline for this episode. We're so, like how Priscilla was saying she felt tension from Arya and you two out of, maybe that's what Littlefinger is seeing if he's spying on the two of them. Maybe this is the feelings that we're getting of confusion and frustration of like, well not frustration, but like the the tension mostly that he's like, oh, I'm doing a good job here. Like maybe he's being fooled by them as well, just as the audience is. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's it. I really think that's it. I think that I'm hoping part of this may be like just my sheer desperation that the writers aren't going to fuck this up. And I have faith in that because I just they've there are very few times where I've been disappointed. And even then, because Game of Thrones, it's kind of nitpicking compared to other shows, because as we've said uh, on this podcast, ad nauseum, um, you know, the worst episode of Game of Thrones is better than the best episode of a lot of shows that are on TV right now. No, that, that is completely true. So let's have a little faith. Let's also, you know, wa- rewatch the episodes uh, once or twice more just to really understand. Soak it in. Yeah, yes. because maybe there are things that we miss. And I've heard a lot of people, too, go back and rewatch the season. They're like, oh, my God, why didn't I get that? Or, oh, my God, it was right there in front of me. How did I not know? And a lot of what one of the number one things or maybe number two thing two things that i know that people are like oh my god i should have seen it coming is ned's death and the red wedding that it was all like it was all laid out there we just never knew it was gonna come uh to that point or to those episodes so yeah i mean we'll see it's it's a lot of fun when we get to the last episode but it's also pretty sad um but yeah, so I mean, we're, we'll see what happens in Winterfell. I mean, I know it was very frustrating this episode. I hope I cleared some of your worries and your theories. And, you know, let's keep rooting for the Star Girls because we started off with a hug between the two of them. A double hug, by the way. It was two hugs. And I don't think it's going to end with the two of them stabbing each other or fighting. Yeah, by the way, I really quickly... <clears throat> 
what did you guys think of the story that Sansa, or no, excuse me, Arya tells to Sansa when it opens up and she's kind of staring and she has this conversation. Uh, she's telling Sansa the story about I used to, you know, try with arrows and try. I, I had to do it dozens of times and I finally made it and I heard, you know, one silent person clapping and I thought it was really, really good. And then that scene took a hard left. It really kind of switched gears there and took a turn for the murdery uh, side of sibling interactions. What did you guys think of that? I love it. Like I, I felt like is it weird to say that I, I felt like Ned was there when, when, when she's talking about like the slow clap. Like I I could just picture like him as a good guy looking like at his daughter, knowing that even though she's not like the pretty perfect princess, like that she's capable of amazing things. I like I love that and I, I felt so warm and happy. I'm like, yay, Stark family reunion, this is how it's supposed to be. And then it fucking went to hell. <laughs> yeah. Some people were saying that they think that what if that story was kind of a lie because you know Arya and her game of faces and um remember they taught her in Bravos how to um how to tell a lie. And remember how she was selling those what was it? The the thing that she kept yelling in season six or season five, I don't remember what it was, where she was in her hairdo pushing the that cart and she was selling the fish or whatever. The oysters. Oh, oh yeah, oysters. and she had yeah. the, the, the twin couple. bun things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Remember how she had to make up a whole story of who she was and stuff and like so I was so people were thinking that what if that story wasn't true and what if instead of that story it's actually in the pilot where we get brand training and everyone's there and their father's watching and Catelyn's watching. But I don't know. I, I think that's a little too much. I think it was a legit story. And I, I think it's a legit past- story. Yeah, me too. I think that is so mm-hmm. Ned Stark. I think um, that is so Arya too. I And it's true. I, I think uh, they really pushed Arya to, to be very ladylike. You know, where she's sewing with Sansa and she's all like bitchy face because she doesn't want to be there. You know, like it is, <laughs> it is, I don't put it past Arya to be learning when her mom's not there because her mom wouldn't like it. And even Ned lets her take lessons uh, when they're in King's Landing. So I I think that story is great. And that scene was just, I can't believe they did that. That they just turned it like complete 180 and then they started fighting with each other. So yeah, bad times. But um. That's Winterfell, guys. Uh, a lot of frustrating stuff. I just think it's Littlefinger's time to go. I think he yes, knew I how agree. to he, he knew how to manipulate the adult. He knew how to manipulate King's Landing and a little bit of crazies around the place. But Winterfell, where Ned comes from, he's a little it's it's different. And I feel like this story is a lot about the second generation, the kids, and how they're supposed to be better than you know the sins of the father or their mothers, just like Danny apologizes for the evilness that her dad was and she's like you know don't judge me for that and yeah and also to your point uh tywin and Tyrion. exactly Tyrion is the most like his father with the exception of the cruelty and you know all Mm -hmm. that stuff and so i just i like that a lot i like to see the children overcome the adults and littlefinger was able to manipulate those people but i feel like this generation is smarter than him and they're going to outsmart him. So, And that's a okay way for him to go. I think I hear a lot of people saying, Littlefinger dying right now, that's so dumb, by Sansa or an Arya or by kids. And I'm like, it's actually it actually makes sense. 
um yeah I, it feels good with it i'm, I'm okay with hoping. it please yes. please please please, Fingers please. Crossed, guys we can all share yes. a drink when we come back next week for the finale and celebrate. we said that oh my goodness remember we said on this podcast if little finger died we would figure some way to to celebrate since then <laughs> we haven't done that but we are going to do that particularly if we watch uh the season seven finale and little finger dies we yeah i don't know maybe we'll get a t-shirt cannon wait <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out we'll, worry we'll about figure it out yeah so yeah. All right, we got the doom and gloom out of here. Although Winterfell's like my favorite place because it's so doom and gloom. But then again, Beyond the Wall was so hard to be a part of at night because it was like a blizzard after a blizzard. During the day, it was nice. You know why? Because we got all these weird interactions that I never knew I wanted. And I know one of the things that people are saying, like, oh my god, this is a lot of fan service. It's all these people together. And, uh, and they're not even supposed to be together. But it's like, how do you know... All of them are not supposed to be together. What if their stories just all aligned here? I mean, in the books, as far as the book goes, everyone's kind of traveling with different people. But what if they're all supposed to meet at the same place at the same time? That's also why this is called fa epic fantasy. It's fiction. You can maneuver things that way. Your stories have to lead up to somewhere. And what if it's leading up to these people? So... You gotta take fiction yeah. with the, what it is, and you you have to re realize you're watching a fantasy show, and it's okay if random characters from King's Landing and from Eastwatch are gonna meet and somehow have all this chemistry, like the Hound and Tormund, which is probably some of my most favorite interactions, and I've never laughed so much in like an entire <laughs> minute or conversation. I mean, guys, how did you feel about all? We got a lot of interactions. Please tell me what was your favorite, why was it your favorite, and how did you feel about all these people interacting? Man, I hated, like, like I, I love the interactions, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, is this a death flag? Is this a death flag for somebody I else? I know, me too, in the flag? back of my mind, no. too, yeah. <laughs> I, I fuck it, like, my favorite is always going to be that Tormund scene with the Hound, where he's like, I have a great beauty with waiting for me back in Winterfell blonde i want to make babies with her like, just like, yeah all right i'm with it dude <laughs> when i heard that i literally pictured a baby a six foot five baby oh with my like God. a full ginger beard and just blue eyes and i'm about it i want i want to i want that creation to happen i hope in that they hook up uh if they do it's it seems like he's primed and ready uh brianne might take some convincing I feel like she's going to ride him all night long, guys. Hopefully. I think and it's going to be some angry sex. Like, let's be honest. I feel like Brienne is so <laughs> done with him. That she's like, you know yes. what? You just want to get out of your system. Let's go. Let's go do it right now. She's just going to give him the ride of his life. Like, <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. Like, the, 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 like, Tormund was too happy. And I was like, I know. And they later, gave scare. They later gave in the episode, what happens? You couldn't give me something happy to end it like this because that's what Game of Thrones does. It makes you happy and makes you think that like good shit's gonna happen, and then boom, you get a whole bunch of bad shit happening to you right at the same time. Like true I don't that, know. They they I knew just... the, the writers knew what they were doing here. They knew what they were doing with having Tormund talk all happy, and I just love that 
the the hound knew exactly who was who he was talking about. And the fact that Tormund said he has a beauty waiting for him, I was like, Brienne the beauty has a new meaning now. So they're not making fun of her. Legit, Tormund finds her to be beautiful, and I'm just like, why this the romance I always wanted, and I'm so sad it's so late. <laughs> but it's. <laughs> And I don't even care that she doesn't acknowledge him. Like, I just, I love it. I don't know why. I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm rooting for the small guy, but. Um, I'm with it. Oh, yeah. Day one, been with it. I, 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 I cannot <laughs> be more down. I ship it. I feel it. Let's make it happen. He's ready. He has put himself out there. Uh, the ball is in your court, Brienne. I know, I, I'm telling you, but you know what she's going to do? She's going to be with Jamie. Oh, my God. This, this oh, Brittany. <laughs> okay, I can't even. No, no. I ship everything. Like no, I, I know I, you do. I would not even. I'm a full YouTuber. Jamie, Brienne, I reject Jamie. that. But I think Auda really likes that, too. No. I know she likes the, the Jamie and Brienne. I like both. I just want to yeah. see. I just want to see Brienne with her friendship pull Jamie out of his ass. So um, I was like, after knowing that Sansa's sending her over there, I was like, oh my god, like she's gonna go over there and the Tormund's gonna die here. No, like all those thoughts are going through my head when we had that scare, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, well I am so invested in Tormund that I can't even. Um, out of I, nowhere and, too I know in his arc like I don't even know what his story arc is aside from being Jon Snow's like best friend like I don't I don't even <laughs> know but I'm okay with him staying it's kind of like Bronn too like I don't really know what their story is and how they contribute to the plot but they definitely contribute to our characters so I yeah. guess that's where they're that's where it's important so I think this serve is like interesting mirrors to the other characters because torment is a character i would love to put in front of anybody you know like i would really love to see uh like brawn and uh <laughs> torment interact and well, like, like have Bron a fucking peer together well we were also like torment in the house like who would have thought that we were going to enjoy them talking and not just about brianne but the things he says to him like you know what so you got burned and now you're you're mad at the world. He's like, but I can tell you're not mean. You have very sad eyes. And I was like, that's very poetic and that's very beautiful. Nailed and also, it. Like, plot on. Oh, exactly. One hundred percent. Like he just read you your life rights. Like that is your biography right there. He literally described your life. Torman, the psychiatrist. Like seriously. Like he, <laughs> he he knew. And I love too that the hounds. Like you know, I hate gingers, but we all know he had a little crush on Sansa. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but gingers were kissed by fire. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god, damn. Somewhere Ed Sheeran's dead character was just like fist pumping, like, all right. Oh, he got fried. He got fried. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ed Sheeran on Game of Thrones 100% was like ginger barbecue. He I would laugh if we see him up. like in the finale amongst the, the soldiers that uh, that Danny was able to collect as the Lannisters, but yeah, um. What else? What other conversations did you guys like? I don't know if you finished your list, Priscilla, because we just kept going on about uh, the oh, hound. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I also liked the hound um, with Beric and what's it called? I forgot. Who, Thoros of Mir and Gendry. Yeah, where Gendry's like, oh god, like he was. Are you whinging? Because you're complaining and your mouth is opening like up and down like this, this, this that is <laughs> like are you alive? Yes, then shut up. Like and that's 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 basically like the Game of Thrones mirror. Like a whole bunch of like other Game of Thrones characters don't have the right to be able to say like 
I'm not alive anymore. Like, cause yeah, my life is over. Like, cough, Marjorie. Cough. Continue. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> if you're alive, you're surviving. Uh, shut up. What did he say? Um, he's like, you guys, you guys sold her to me. You don't even know what she did to me. She strapped me down. She was she got me naked, and they're like, sounds good so far. Sounds good <laughs> so far. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So but that was like, actually very traumatizing. <laughs> I it was um this episode I the second time I watched it I liked it better. So Brittany, I definitely agree with you on that front. Um I, I don't know what it was and um I kind of this was like a red eye episode of Game of Thrones for me because I had to work the next morning. It was coming on and I did that thing that a lot of people have to work the next morning on Mondays. They're just like, I'm just going to watch it. And I stayed up and watched it. And I, at the end of it, I was kind of felt underwhelmed. But then I rewatched it. And the scene that we're talking about now in particular really stood uh, out to me. The, ta- the the different combinations, yes, there were uh, a bunch of those that I did like to see. But uh, in the, the stuff with the North of the Wall with that group, like the polar bear and the just what the fuckness of it that scared me so bad you guys i'm not ashamed to say i jumped like five feet in the air when that polar bear jumped out i was like oh my god (laughs) me too and it was so hard to see who was getting attacked that was probably the worst thing about this episode about the blizzard stuff uh during the night or like evening into night i was like oh my god who got hit oh my god it's a random okay i don't care like it was but I think that that was really brilliant on the writers, you know, to do that type of stuff. Cause oh my god, oh my god. Dude, when they were walking, I counted the people, and I was like, okay, how many people? How many red shirts do we have? How many people can fucking die? Me too. And like, they you guys are much more attentive than me. I can't walk and chew gum with Game of Thrones. I'm just like, cannot do two things at once. And like, they they totally cheated with like those uh those wildlings like. Like, when did they come yes. to this picture? And, like, <laughs> it, was, it was completely, like, 100% cheating. Because then you got Like, scared. who's like, that oh guy? God, like... I even thought the hound was dying at one point, but it wasn't. I was like, oh, my God. Me I too. thought it was Gendry that got, like, taken out by the bear. Like, the, the one at the very beginning with the spear. And I was like, wait, no, Gendry wouldn't be holding a spear. He'd be holding the... The hammer, that's not him. Yes! I was just like, <laughs> I, I was saying yes to people dying. Yeah. Um, it was... I agree with you, Ada. It was like, there were so many, like, who is... Where have these people been? We had a really tight-knit group. They even yeah. remarked on, I wish we had more people. But suddenly, when these... Poly- it's just like, they add, and it's just like, who is that? And it's just like, oh, where this Jeff. From- <laughs> he killed them. Killed them where all the them? extras. Like... Exactly. Literally, like, um, hey, hey, you at craft service, come here, come here, here. I need you to do me a favor. Come over here. <laughs> I really, I really liked, uh, by the way, the conversation between uh, Jorah and John mm. about. Uh, they had like two, didn't they? They had two mini. Oh, ones. about about the sword. Yeah. Well, like the one about the sword, like yeah, both of them, and when they were talking about uh, uh, Jorah's father, I forget his name. Mr. Mom- Mormont. Mr. Mormont. Um, Mr. Mormont. Yeah. Dr. Mormont. No, yeah. Lord Commander Mormont. Yeah. It's gonna bother me. Um, you know, when he was, when John was gonna give he, uh, Jorah the sword, I was, when, well, he gave it to him and he was holding it, I was like, give it back. Like, give it back right now. I kept repeating it. Because, like, that sword is 
John's. It's John's sword. Like, you can't have it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew Jorah was going to be like, you know what, you you take it. You know, it's right for you. I just like how they both uh, honored their the father, uh, Mor- uh, Lord Commander Mormont. And uh, also how he was like, um, he's like, you know, your father, Ned, was supposed to behead me or, you know, sentence me to die. And John's kind of like, I'm glad he did it. And he's like, me too. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, everything, yes. I'm fucking love when he's like yo i changed the sword pommel to a wolf but you can still have it if you want (laughs) right exactly (laughs) like i already made this mine but it's okay if you have it not really it is so john snow to be oh honorable and to be like, you know, this was supposed to be yours. And I, I love that Jorah's just like, you know what, it could have been, but it's not. Like, I, I dishonored him. I didn't, you know, I'm making, I'm atoning for that, you know, but it's still yours. So now, I really like yeah. knowing what happened. sort of a late in life abolitionist, like far late in life abolitionist. Because let's be honest, he's pushing it. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate his age, but he wasn't exactly a spring chicken when he was involved in a slave trade. Go ahead, Priscilla. Oh, no, I was just thinking of, about the fact that, like, Jorah, like, I, I was I was kind of upset. I was like, you didn't offer the sword to Liana, like, the little Liana Marmont. Why are you offering it to Jorah? <laughs> no. And then I thought, like, it's it, the fact that he kept the sword is useful later on in the, like, in the episode in the end because, like, he uses it to fish, to fish himself out. If he didn't have it, we wouldn't have John anymore. Yeah. That sword yeah. is of great importance for a lot of things, and I'm glad that he was able... I know they brought Dragonglass with them, but I was like, John, you could offer the sword after, like, you go on the suicide mission. You don't have to do it before, you could do it after, but <laughs> I guess we needed some time to spare on the Fellowship of the White. Uh, we needed to, we needed everybody to have some conversations with each other. Um, I really wanted a conversation between... Uh, John and the Hound, I wanted them to talk about how Sansa's safe and that Arya is safe and she's back at Winterfell, but I guess we're not going to get those yet. I guess those are in waiting or Man, off-screen. Man, do, really <laughs> do you really think that like this that, that would be the appropriate time to have the, so I heard that you took care of my little sister Sansa. You're such a cunt. Shut the fuck up. Like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, do we have the Hound with us, guys? Special guest? Yo, <laughs> that was eerie. Holy... Oh my goodness! <laughs> I'm a huge fan, like legit. <laughs> hey, I no, want dude. it. I want it. Same thing as Gendry knowing that Arya is alive. I want that too. Like yeah. everyone is connected to everyone in some way through family or through friends, and I I need to know. Like he still doesn't know that Sam saved uh, Jorah. Like we don't even know that either. So I mean, I know there's no time. I'm not complaining that we're never going to get that. I just thought that this would be a really cool time since everyone's kind of talking with everyone. Uh, and I feel like we disbanded the group already coming into next episode. So I'm kind of sad we didn't get that. But maybe it was off screen and we'll find out. But Because, um, like, where is the Hound going now? Is he going to King's Landing with them? Or, like, what's going on? Because he, he wanted to save Sansa. He told him she, he gave her an option to leave with him but she was too scared and she stayed and then he took care of Arya he fought Brienne for Arya like I mean it's pretty important we we had a couple seasons with with him being with the Stark sisters so I feel like Jon owes him a lot because the Hound isn't an evil guy he just kind of obeys but 
he still showed some kind of kindness. So, I mean, and he's here helping for I don't know what reason. And he's hilarious. Yeah, he's he is hilarious. <laughs> I don't know how many times he said cunt. Like, I, I, I hope someone makes, like, a list of how many times he says that. Um, a compilation, yes. Yeah, uh, that's how we'll open the next episode of this podcast. It's just like <laughs> the last two conversations we have, though, out of all of the ones that we talked about that we love, we have one of Jorah and Thoros. Which, by the way, we do get a little insight on Jorah. We actually we get a lot of Jorah of Jorah's story uh, in the past seasons, but I guess people never pay attention when he's talking. But he does have a scene with Barristan Selmy. I think back in. Season four, maybe season three. I don't remember when they're doing that, but they're they're on their horses and they're talking about uh, the Battle of Pike, which is a lot, which is more in the books and the lore. If you guys want to look that up, but essentially he tells uh, Barristan's like, I remember the stories of you at the the Battle of the Pike, and he's like that you were the first warrior to run in there, all crazy, you know, charge in there. And uh, Jorah tells him, Oh no, that wasn't me. That was uh, Thoros. He did that, and that. He did in there. He went in there with his flaming sword or whatever. And they have a really small scene of that in the late in in the earlier season. So him talking to Thoros here means that they were together in a battle, and that Thoros charged in there. He's like, "I thought you were the bravest man I've ever seen." He's like, "Just the drunkest." So it's just a really <laughs> nice fallback because some people don't remember that or they don't even remember it or know it. Yeah, but yeah no, Thoros and Jora have history. So that was I really love nice. that. Yeah, I looked that up. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I did not remember that, but (laughs) you bring it up. That's why I'm here every Wednesday. That's so cool. Here, I am your Wikipedia for a lot of things, so don't worry about that, guys. I'll help you out. Um, (laughs) We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Of course, and that way, so you don't have to look it up. That's why it's a little bit of an Easter egg. For you guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure the listeners appreciate it. Yeah, they're just, like, well, I don't have to Google it, even though it's going to take me like one you're second. You're welcome. I'm watching videos just and kidding, reading. You. <laughs> uh, lastly, we just get a lot of, uh, we get actually a lot of Tormund talking aside from the, the Hound and, you know, picking on Gendry about, you know, fucking's best and we have to make do with what we have. That was just so cute. It was so funny. Gendry's like, uh, no. Um, but there's a lot of foreshadowing in the scene where he's talking to John about how, you know, how many people had to die because of Mance Raider's pride. And that's also exactly what John said to Mance Raider, what Danny said to John, and now um, Torment, out of all the people you would have thought would never say that, says it to John. And it kind of foreshadows what he does later uh, with bending the knee to Danny. So I just really thought that that's pretty cool for Torment. I think. Torment's grown a lot too because he had a lot of the views that Mance Raider had and he was like completely behind him. But after hanging out with John and knowing what's going on, I think he's starting to notice that there are other ways to keep yourself alive and uh, maybe you need to get over your pride a little bit. It doesn't matter if you're a wildling and they're a crow, like sometimes you have to work together and sometimes you have to do something you don't want to do for the greater good. And I really like that that's coming out of Torment. So maybe that's where his arc is, where... Um, John's gonna be listening to him. I feel like John has a lot of best friends over the seasons, because uh, we—I guess we could argue that you know Sam's his best friend, you know his first best friend. But I still oh, like Tormund yeah. better. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Tormund, the voice of reason. Who would have thought? It, it should be I know. Dark times we are. <laughs> Tormund falling in love. He's seeing, he's making poems. 
he's speaking, he, he's getting through to Jon Snow. Like, it's a lot of good stuff, guys. I mean, fan service, yeah. it, call it fan service if you want, but uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. I mean, any person could say that to Jon, but I think it means a lot coming from Tormund, especially with their history and what's happened. So, let's oh, yeah. move on. I have on. one question about that really, really quick. Um, do you guys feel, just about the, the scene that we just discussed, do you guys feel like we're starting to get diminishing returns a little bit on these near-death graphs with John? Like him either dying or coming very close to dying or just, I feel like it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it hasn't reached like a level of like that TV so charmed where they would just die every episode <laughs> and I just had to give up on it eventually. But it was, I don't know, I... When I was watching it, at no point was I worried that he was actually going to die, and I, I feel like it's kind of problematic for a show that kind of banks on its unpredictability or unpredictability. Yeah, no, I, I can totally get like it feels like he has plot armor, and yeah. it's not that's not that that is not Game of Thrones at all. Well, I think mm -hmm. him dying already is kind of like the ultimate plot armor ever. I think after he died the first time. I don't think he will ever die again. But I also think they're trying to tell us that that doesn't mean he's not an option for death again. And I think there's a, I think people also forget that last year when he did Battle of the Bastards, he told Melisandre he doesn't want to come back if he dies. So I think that's also something people should remember. And that could mean that maybe Jon Snow might die at the end. I mean, George R. R. Martin says that it is a bittersweet ending. And what if part of the prophecy, if... If we're going to say that John is the prophecy and he's the Azora High thing, what if it's not only that he kills the Night King, but he dies in the process as well, and nothing can change that mm. prophecy? I mean, there's a lot of stuff. So here, it's just a lot of anxiety, a lot of trouble. Um, do I think they have to do it? No. But if you watch a lot of reactions, I mean, maybe not read reviews, but if you watch like those reactions on YouTube, people still get scared for Jon Snow. And I think that's what the writers are going for mm -hmm. if you don't get scared well you know that's fine that's fine too um i mm -hmm. get i get scared as far as like them be, him being separated from everyone and uh not so much dying but just you know him being separated and how's he yeah. gonna get back and that made me excited because my theory while watching was oh my god Rhaegal's gonna come back for him and he's gonna ride off like that's what me i thought too. was gonna happen me but too. we got something else so I mean, which I'm okay with too. Which I guess we'll we'll talk about. Uh, because I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get to the end because I know we just all want to talk about um, <laughs> the, the, the like the last five eight minutes of action that we get. And you know the guys they're going they're, they they already talked and they find a small group of uh, White Walkers or just walkers. I mean I don't know what you want to call them. White zombies like uh, winter zombies like Priscilla was saying last time. <laughs> Um, Winter zombies is gonna catch on. I know it. Winter <laughs> zombies. I, I mean, because walkers, I feel like it's like taking away from Walking Dead because that did come first, and so I just want to say winter zombies or you know something or whites, whatever you want to call. I think them. whites. And, I like that. Okay, but we can say white. Yeah, that sounds kind of racist. <laughs> I was gonna white. Was like <laughs> whites, whites. Ooh, I don't know. What? Like you, you're gonna have to. It sounds a little Aryan for my taste. Yeah, um, um, we can say Winter Zombies doesn't matter. Let's um, parking lot this. We're gonna table this. We'll 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 figure out some different terminology. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. You know what? Whatever just comes out comes out. Like, it's, yes. you know, whatever. We'll just use Winter Zombies until then. Thank you, Priscilla. 
Yeah, winter zombies. So they find a little small group and um, they decide to ambush them and try to get, you know, the one white. And everyone's fighting. I kind of love it. Uh, everyone's, it's, it's almost like uh, a couple of them coming face to face for the first time with the dead and everyone's fighting. But we find something really cool in that when John kills, I want to say the leader or like the mini general, the lieutenant, I don't know. I really don't know how the rankings go. Maybe you guys might. Help me out with that. Like how much jewelry they have. That's how you know. Well, how, you know the like, old man with the long hair is like one of his generals or something because the yeah. night king... Yeah, they, they call them the generals. So Okay. So yeah, oh, so really? when you Yeah. When, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, when you kill the general, apparently you kill like the people he turned or his squad that he's connected to. Like I don't know that was probably a really cool thing that we learned in this episode because people were like, you know, this mission's stupid. I don't know why they're going. And while I feel like those are, you know, they're validated, there's some truth in them, we needed an episode to see how scary or how big, first of all, the army is. I mean, we got little teases, but how big they are and how scary they are and, like, the generals and how stuff works around there. So John killing one and seeing them die around him is huge it's really yes. really awesome for us to know so that means we have a chance to to go for generals but that also um it helps but it's also doesn't really because there's so many and it's like oh look there's a general kill that one oh look there's a general like uh-huh. it, it, we, i mean they could do that but it's still really huge to learn and they and they take note about that and i love that they find a random white and the hound just fucking jumps on him body slams him Oh, <laughs> uh, but oh look, the dude Tormund punches the shit out of him. I, just, like, like, the <laughs> like, I but I I just love the hound going like, oh, you know, like he has to jump on him, and I just thought that that was hilarious. But what do we learn there? That the whites can call for backup, like freaking raptors from Jurassic Park. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, people and are... Lots of developments about the nature Legit. of the White Walkers. Legit. You people, know, I'm people glad are mad about this. I'm glad that they don't follow zombie rules and, like, bites turn because Hound got bit hardcore. Did his finger He's... get bit off? I or did he get that. bit Did he get bit or did he get his finger bit off? No, he got... He just got bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. It looked like something okay, came guys. out. I don't know. I have a question. And I know I literally have asked this on this podcast before but i want to i want to ask this again because the physiology and like the all of that stuff about the white walkers is becoming more and more prevalent like we learned this episode what is benjin uh what was his deal cold hand like how did he become half white or half whatever he was he has got the green magic from the little um from the little children of the forest yeah the children of the forest the ones that <laughs> die saving brand yeah oh yeah and the children of the forest are the ones that originally created the White Walkers, so you have somewhat of a similarity there in between yeah. the magic that they use. So they basically saved him. <laughs> so, yeah, something like that. And also, people were like, well, how is Benjen there? Well, there's a lot of possibilities. One, Benjen was following them but didn't want to make himself known. Two, he was following the army. And he's been living over the wall, like, we can say, like, what, the past couple of years. So he kind of mm-hmm. knows the area of exactly. everything. And third, mm-hmm. we also heard from when the first time he saved Bran that he has connections to the Three-Eyed Raven. Bran is the new Three-Eyed Raven. So if he knows everything that's going on, past, present, and future, we can also assume that maybe Bran told Benjen to go and help John. 
So oh wow, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that Benjin got there. I don't know also if he had to die, but I also don't know where Benjin's story was supposed to go anyway. We know he couldn't get past the wall because magic, I believe. <laughs> like he's magically bound to beyond the wall, so. It doesn't make sense because John's like, "Come with me." It's like, well, he could have come, but he can't go past the wall. So yeah, what's he gonna just, do? It's just better for him to stay there, and then Bran can explain everything else. So, um, I don't know if the books are gonna have more for Benjamin, but I'm okay with this because I don't know what else they were gonna do with him. They can't turn him back to human. So what is he gonna be like? Half zombie, half human guy just he'll there. just be the uncle across the wall that you get to visit every yeah i know say hi. Like, mm. well with the assumptions that the wall's coming down i mean he what what is he gonna do can he still pass it i mean does it does it matter like and it's one of him there's not like a lot of people that are like benjamin so i think he was destined to die and for the show's sake i'm okay that he died for john um I'm do you know where dead. i wish he would have died or I, I wish he would have ended up the citadel because he would have been invaluable to them to have somebody who is kind of exists in that limbo between human and uh, white or uh, white yeah. walker would be incredibly valuable because those are the people who would be able to examine that and would really be able to like apply knowledge that nobody else on that we've seen on the show in this universe has. So it kind of sucks like how we talked about. Um, you know, if Brand was to die, it'd be the end of an era. It would be like the, that that magic from um, uh, oh my goodness, the children, <laughs> the children of the forest. Yes, the children of the forest. Um, he would. It, it would be really interesting to see how that happened because, as we've seen, they started this. They created the White Walkers. So that magic that they have is. It would be really interesting to get into the origins of that and to really dig into that. Well, they only gave us a little bit of that one episode of the where we see the creation of the Night King and why they created him and all that stuff. But uh, we're I think we're supposed to assume that all the children of the forest, they're extinct now. Those were the last two, I think, or three that were alive and they helped save Bran and they died. Mm. So... If we're gonna get any mis uh, any more history, it's gonna be either through Bran or through whatever um, Sam took from the Citadel. Cause we have to assume most of this is documented, but they just don't wanna like face it. Or like some of the some of the people were saying, like even Ned in the pilot was all like, you know, White Walkers haven't been seen for a thousand of years. So what they're saying is they acknowledge that they were there, but they hardly believe that they're back. So that just means that everyone knows that they existed before, but they existed so long ago they think that it's myths or legends or prophecies right. or whatever. So it's just kind of whatever. So we have to assume it's there, but we just haven't seen it. Or Brand doesn't want to talk. Or maybe we're going to get some of that next episode. Um yeah, I think to I, your point, like a modern day parallel would be like if somebody came and told you, hey, I have a dinosaur in my basement. And it's like, it would be more credible than if they said I had like a, you know, something that we can't prove, like an alien or a ghost or something weird like that. But it it would be like, uh, I think you're crazy. I, I, yeah. think, I definitely see where you're going. There. You're not going to. And, and that's like the whole series or the whole series, the whole season of John trying to convince Danny um, that he needs her help and, you know, the army of the dead. So it makes this, this mission is really dumb. I think the context of the mission is dumb, 
But I think what the solution of it, like them getting the white, does mean a lot. And I think the white was not only for Cersei, but it's for Danny as well. But with the way things turned out in this episode, Danny got more than she bargained for. So let's talk about that because they get the one guy, he calls for help. That's also another thing we learn. We learn the general death kills like his group and then we learn that whites can call for help so what does that mean that means that you got to kill them before they can call for help so he does we get the mountains of like world war z zombies uh and gendry is sent to go run a marathon back to <laughs> the wall to send a raven so let's talk about this real quick guys because we got Lucky a lot of fans son of a bitch we got a lot of <laughs> we got a lot of fans talking about teleportation and pacing and timing but if you really look at the episode which i saw you know in the second time watching you see time pass by when um the guys are walking and they get attacked by the bear that's already nighttime from the first day then it's the next day and they find the group and they're fighting and then like like what that could be morning maybe like midday they send gendry to go to the wall Gendry doesn't get there till nighttime, so you can assume that it's been like maybe at least four hours of running, maybe three hours. You know, if you and he was exhausted, he collapsed and he could barely do. He, I mean, he didn't write the letter and send the raven. He told them what to do, and they send the raven, and we yeah. get. He actually, was the raven. I know, right? Marathon runner. <laughs> uh, I mean, Gendry was no wonder he came on this mission, guys. <laughs> That's what he was meant to do. Um, mm. And we get our heroes, you know, running away, and they have to stay on a little island on a frozen lake, which is the MVP. Or I'm already telling you guys, the river is my MVP for the episode because <laughs> it broke. <laughs> the ice broke, and all the dead were falling in there, and they were trapped on a little island, which I think a night goes by with an injured Thoros. Um, and he ends up passing away in the morning, and we get the morning and maybe midday, and Daenerys is able there is able to get there and save them. So, do you guys have anything to add as far as the teleportation and the timing? Did any of that bother you, or did I just solve all your problems with that explanation? <laughs> you just solved every problem I've ever had. Um, thank you. I, yeah. I feel. I feel clean now, Brittany. <laughs> I don't well, have any just, problem with the pacing. Like me either. I, it, I, it makes sense, in my opinion. This, yeah. this, this series is being like kind of like put through the grinder, so to speak. Like you, you like season yes. one, you kind of had like a little bit of a like a teleportation thing happening too. But season two, everything started going slower because they actually planned like showed you how long it takes to travel from one side of, of like. And you got like meeting them to the other too. Like, like yeah, that's, I miss that's it. Well, that's what we got at the beginning of this episode, though. I mean, I don't know if you want to say meaningful, but we got some really interesting conversations from people that were very unlikely to meet. But also, we had some laughs. We had some honorable stuff. Uh, we had some talks of the past, and then I think we have some forming friendships. So yeah, I thought they were meaningful. they were tying they were tying down stories that were like kind of up in the air and stuff. It was it, so in in that aspect, like knowing that you had you spent your time wisely, that we had some really good stories and played out with the with our Suicide Squad. Like then, yes. I, I, I don't. Mind. I love that analogy. And, yeah, and it on. also showed with all those talks that we had and the way people were talking to each other. It also kind of set up 
for maybe some characters to fall, which I think we were all nervous of, you know, talking about it. You guys weren't with us last week, but I'm pretty sure you had the same sentiments of um, knowing that it was awesome. We got the Suicide Squad going in there, the Fellowship of the White, but who was going <laughs> to die? I mean, if both of those, you know, people die, and we were, me and Aura were talking about who we thought was most likely to die, and a lot of people were guessing everybody but John or... Um, three of them but the other four are gonna survive and we were just talking and we came up with that Beric, Thoros, and Jorah were most likely to die. Those were like our choices uh, but we end up only getting one casualty which is Thoros. Um, mm-hmm. Do you guys have complaints about that or are you okay with it or what's I going have on? Complaints. I have complaints. Like come on like someone should have died. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I agree, like, yes. And, like, you know, we've been with these characters for years now, you know? And they have gone through so much. And, like, we've seen a lot of them. And this, like, the the series is ending, you know? Now it's the time for you to kill people. Exactly! <laughs> like, now it's... Now Bloodthirsty Aura, jeez. I know, Sam, I thought it was, that was you for so you want people to this die. This is man. all caps Aura, you guys. I know, I agree with you. I am on... I completely... Uh, I 100% agree with everything you just said. Yeah, and like, you know, they didn't all have to die, obviously, but like, at least... And like, a, re- a more relevant character, like Jorah. I feel like Jorah should have died there. Like... <laughs> Poor guy, yeah. he's gonna live to see Danny Bang with John. Like, just, <laughs> just kill him already. Yeah. <laughs> oh my wow. god, that's so surprising. Than to watch your fall in love with someone else. Wow. Yeah, that, that's like what all love songs are, right? The really emo songs. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's gonna yeah, I'd rather die than watch you with someone else. Playing in the background. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, I heard Beyonce has a song on that. You know, uh, Ring the Alarm. I don't know if you guys remember that song, but she's like, I'll be dead if I see another chick on your arm. And that's like with Doris Anthem. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, but like, I feel like at least one more person should have died that was relevant. Like, if they had killed both. Uh, Thoros of Mir and Beric Dondarrion, I would have been like, okay, guys, like, this is not enough. <laughs> you can't kill both of the flaming swords. You have to kill yeah. one. Well, I don't, you, can, you know what? By Wait, killing like, one, you know that the other one isn't going to last long anyway. Like, yeah. It's Thor- true. Thoros it's dying, because I, I, some people were thinking that maybe Thoros could bring back John if John dies, and I feel like killing him eliminates that, because we don't know. I think we know that Melisandre is probably going to come back, but we just don't know when that is. Because she was already here, like, two, like episode three. We're episode six, so she's gone. Or I don't know where she is. So Thoros was kind of, like, the backup, but now he's donezo. So when they killed him off at the very beginning before the fight, that kind of solidified that Barrett could totally be done for and John, Although John was less likely... Excuse me. Less likely... Um, there's also the fact that now the Hound kind of believes in the Lord of Light or can kind of see stuff. What if Thoros could bring back, you know, uh, the Hound? Although I don't know if I want to see mm. Undead Hound and we get Clegane Bowl. I mean, I'm not trying <laughs> to say this as a thing where, like, oh, everybody can be brought back. But what I'm saying is they killed the guy that could do that. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's a pretty good death, but I understand why you guys wanted another one. You wanted to be hit hard, but you know what, guys? We do get one. Just the one that we didn't want. The one that I think 
The one that I think we would have sacrificed both Jorah and Barrett for. Oh, in a heartbeat. I could have added a bunch of more people to that list, and I would have <laughs> gladly sent them to the Reaper to keep. Ugh. Well, which is why I'm glad Gendry got out of there, because I was like, if Gendry just came back just to die in here, I'd be so mad. Me um, too. We were talking about that last week, too. Yeah, like he, him and John, like I want them to bond, right? I want them to become best friends. I want John to be best friends with so many people. You know, I, I wanted John to bond with this dragon. I, I can give Gendry away. Can I have the dragon back, please? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Siri needs not John's dragon, okay? We know this. <coughs> um, yeah. Wait. Um,. I I, I'm, I'm trying not to talk about the dragon yet. I really don't want to. But we get a lot of tension. I mean, Gendry's able to make it to the wall at night. And they send the raven. The raven has, like, five-hour energy. He's going in there. <laughs> um, but then again, remember, Gendry gets there at night. Because it's all blizzardy and we can't really see. And Daenerys is preparing to leave during the day. So this is like probably the next day, probably in the morning or something, and she probably goes like in the afternoon, makes it in the afternoon to the guys because it's already getting dark, and he gets saved by Benjen kind of like at night already. So mm-hmm. you have to assume hours take place between all these things. They're just not going to give you an hour of conversation. So Danny is telling Tyrion she needs to go and save him, and Tyrion's, you know, pleading for her not to go. I... I was not mad at Tyrion in this moment. I understood what he's saying. It is so risky for a king or a queen to go into fighting. But that's what you've got to do. If you're going to be a good ruler, you have to go. And that speaks volumes to any any king or queen that does that. And pretty much what I was thinking of, because I was watching a video about um, probably like a couple of days ago. Some guy, I, I can't remember the name of his YouTube channel, but he does animations of historic battles and he did one of Robert's Rebellion and I was thinking about how in that story Robert kills oh, wow. Rhaegar and that just shows you too that Rhaegar although he's not king he's the prince you know ready to be king he goes into battle and he fights so it's only it makes sense that Danny's going in there and I really love it because this is the time where John needs to see Daenerys be a queen He's admired her so far, but he still hasn't bent the knee. This is what he needed to see to really put faith in her. And as well as Daenerys too. Like she admires him. She probably admires him a little bit more than he admires her. But I just love that without a doubt she needs to go save him. And not just him, but Jorah. Like she's, she has people she loves that are there and she needs to go. So she goes with not one, not two, but all three of her dragons. Guys, did you have red flags? Like, going off at this moment when she left with all three. Yeah, yeah. it's that whole, it's too good to be true, something's bound to happen thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that That spidey sense tingled in the back of my neck, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. I was like, oh, there's, like, something's gonna happen here. Like, we're not gonna get off this um, easy. Yeah, you know, Man, this death was actually... I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, because it's his own it's his damn fault. He threw the stupid rock that like, everybody knows oh. that, that the ice was that the ice was solid already. I'm like, God oh, damn it. He was fucking <laughs> he was screaming bored, at my TV. I was so upset with that. I'm like, what are you doing? It just made no sense. And he just brought hell down on them. Oh, 
bored. It's, it's you know, you would have done it. You know. <laughs> Play tic tac toe in the snow. I don't know. <laughs> two days standing on that rock, like oh my god, give him a break. Judas, I, Judas. I was I was laughing at the little zombie that was like rah rah. He was still going all crazy, like. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. On the island, I was just laughing at that, and then the hound's like, I'm done with you, and he kicks him. Um, the hound, do you think he signed all their death certificates, or was that just, uh, just plot? You knew it was, it was bound to happen, it had to happen. But If he wasn't gonna check the water, they were. And remember, yeah. I think they're, they're all controlled by the Night's King, and I think the Night's King knows when a frozen lake is frozen again. So um, I just I just thought that was a funny scene for the for the hound and uh, dumb cunt the the white that's his name. <laughs> uh, someone made a really cool uh, post on Reddit. I I wish I could like link it to like you listeners uh, of that particular white and how many times he comes out in the battle and it's more than once. Uh, apparently wow. he's one he's one of the ones that comes out of the hole and is pulling on on um, uh, on torment. And I was like, oh, really? It's him? Like, you're not paying attention in the moment because you're freaking out that Tormund's about to die, but he's actually one of the zombies that's pulling on him. So uh, wow. he actually, yeah, the, the hound never kills him. Like, that guy keeps coming back. Uh, dumb cunt keeps coming back from horror. <laughs> so, um, we got everyone fighting there, guys. And in the nick of time, Danny's able to arrive. I mean, I was cheering. I was watching it with a couple of friends. We were all cheering. We were all excited. But... I knew something bad was gonna happen. Like I said, the red flags were going off. Uh, it scared me that she got there on time because I feel like good things happen and then they they go away. Like something's gonna be taken just from the good thing that we got. And were you guys mad at John at what was going on, or did you not understand what he was doing? People were thinking that he was just being trying to be a hero because, as it were, uh, Tyrion and Danny were talking about this earlier about heroes and how they're the stupidest and they want to you know do heroic things and you know they die in the process uh that's exactly what john did but i thought he was just covering for everyone else to get on and then he would get on but in doing so whatever even if that was his plan the Nikeen is able to get a clean shot with apparently he just carries those spears all the time with him right i mean that's exactly yeah. what oh, he yeah. does yeah, mm -hmm. and he just aim, does his aim, and uh, he's the champion, the Olympics champion for the <laughs> javelin toss, and uh, <laughs> he gets a clean shot on Viserion, guys, and Viserion dies. Like, that wasn't just like a spear through him, and then he falls. It was in him, I guess in the socket of like where his fire comes from, because fire was coming out of him through the side of his neck. And blood was everywhere. It was so that was sad. That oh was, my god! The dragons were crying. I was crying. Oh. Oh my, my goodness! God. It was intense. We were talking before the show about how this episode was going to be group therapy for all of us. Mm. Yeah. Uh. Dude, the, like, there's so many like fan dubs of this. Like, there's one where like they put like the Celine Dion's like. Song like <laughs> from Titanic. They've done that with like more than one scene in the show. Oh God! I know. I know there's more than one. Let's talk about it, guys. Let me know. Let me know how you were feeling about this. And 
Uh, if you had to guess which dragon was dying, did you all guess Viserion? That's who I thought it was. And then I yeah. had the I had the captions on, so it just said there Viserion dies or something. And I was like, oh my god, I knew it. Because yeah. Drogon I can never tell them apart. They're like the Olsen twins to me. I just they're, I always get them mixed up. It's because the colors are hint. Yeah, the the colors are very like hinted. It's like a hinted green, and Drogon's uh, black, and then Rhaegal has hints of red. That's all. Mm. So it's, it is hard to see, but I knew if they were gonna, if one of the dragons was expendable, it was gonna be Viserion because I know Rhaegal has to have a connection with Jon, and we yeah. haven't had that yet. So man, they mentioned that we we're gonna have three dragon riders. We never expected one of the dragons to be evil, mm. to be carrying an evil person well, though. Before, yeah, before that, before knowing or before this episode of or having even any theories of. The Night King being able to get a, a dragon. I thought they were going to have an ice dragon already, like, asleep or something. And then be awakened when the wall comes down. Like, I thought that would be, like, their secret weapon. But instead, they're giving us one of Drani, uh, Drani's, well, Danny's dragons. And that's going to be their secret weapon still. Not to us, but to them when they fight the army again. She's going to see her undead baby. And I'm like, oh my god, that's scary. Yeah, wow. That's dark okay yeah she thinks he's gone but then they're gonna go into battle or somehow he's gonna come out and be like best bet you uh bet you saw the last of me bitch or whatever that meme is with the <laughs> emma roberts so uh that's gonna be devastating for danny i mean guys were you mad that danny didn't really show emotion in that moment or did you like the way they played it out where she does show emotion but only in her scene with john later I, I I liked it a lot. Like he, she's not gonna be like no. People said baby. they wanted her to scream yeah. and cry. That's what people wanted. I saw some people write that because they, a lot of people like to criticize Amelia Clark's acting for Danny. Um, and I don't. What? I don't really. I don't. I I know not me them, but um, oh wow. Well, I know, I know, but just I know. anybody. I'm like, what the? What show are you watching? I know they're saying that she has a very like uh, stoic type of emotion and she doesn't show very much but i feel like that's part of her character because of her journey like mm. i feel like she was like not created but she was kind of um i can't think of the word like the way viserys uh viserys i'm sorry like prepped her all her life was since she was a baby because she was a baby when they smuggled her out of dragonstone with her brother and that's not her twin brother that's her older brother viserys and he kind of like prepped her to be a princess and to be sold and to you know like she was never able to think for herself and be somebody so it takes her a long time before she meets all these people and becomes a queen and becomes attached to people like Jorah's her first one and then it's like one of her handmaidens uh that she has as a Khaleesi and then that girl betrays her for her dragons or whatever um but then she meets Tyrion, she meets Barristan Selmy, like she starts to form human connections, Missandei, and then you start to see her, and then she, like how she cries when Jorah has, she has to banish uh, Jorah, and you know, all that type of stuff, so I, if you look at that scene again where she sees uh, Viserion die, if you're not looking at her face, you're looking at her body, she's breathing heavily, like, like, oh my god, like, what did I just see, like, a shock, like, it, the acting is just so good and then she's so vulnerable with john and starts sobbing and i was crying with her i was like this is so powerful i can't <laughs> oh yeah. my god it was just so and like, good and like she's not really 
I think it would have been like out of character for her to be like yelling and like going crazy because she's very like you know the character that Emilia Clark is is portraying or that she's uh, um embodying it's very you know she's not over dramatic I feel like she's very, very understated yeah yeah and like I feel like I don't know if calm is the is the right word for her she's a little preserved like, I think she, She's very grounded, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, I I think because she's queen, she doesn't really want to show her emotions too much. Yeah. It's it's also, like, I hate to say this, but people are going to complain when, like, for any little detail. If she had screamed, they would have been like, bitch, we we have a mission to do. You knew knew the risks when you took them out. You shouldn't be... That's so so, true. You shouldn't be distracted. Yes. I kind of want to point out a double standard here. I feel like this might even... The people who are, like, levying this complaint against her acting, when have you ever heard a male character who's been reserved and very, like, you know, has a prominency and an air about them? And, you know, nobody said that about Stannis. Nobody said that about any other character. It seems a little bit like a double standard. There may be a gender aspect there. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, I mean, like when Caitlyn died, it was, but that was like super dramatic. Like, I mean, I don't know how to explain. It was just, just different tonally. I think I would have been yeah. upset if, uh, if Daenerys never showed any emotion. But I had a feeling that in that moment, there was no time to process what was going on. It was more shocking. Mm-hmm. And then she's there. She has to get everyone out of there. She's debating on leaving John. She doesn't want to leave him. They leave. She even still waits at the wall for him to get back. And she still mm-hmm. hasn't cried. Like, oh she's still there. I know. And then she doesn't cry until that vulnerable moment with John. Like, even Jorah, as soon as Viserion, uh, Viserion dies, he looks right at Danny. Like, he understands. And John, too. Like, John is... Uh, he, could, he apologized, like, I should have never gone, which is something everybody's been saying, the audience <laughs> has been saying. But he genuinely, I think, feels terrible at what just happened, especially with the scene that we got last week of her telling him, you know, they're not beasts to me. They're my children. Like, I, I adore mm-hmm. them. And mm-hmm. one of them is gone now. And it's just. It's so heartbreaking. I want to cry right now. I'm talking about it. Like it's just oh, we grew with group hug through the podcast, you guys. <laughs> we grew. We all with... just need to comfort each other through like, this. Like if heart. you want to, if you want to cry, go look at season one. Like the scenes where the babies are born. Like they're they're so itty bitty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know somebody made a chart too of uh, some one of the I can't remember the name of the dragon, but another dragon that was I don't know if it was Aegon's dragon. But somebody's dragon that have, and how big it was and how big Drogon is right now. So oh, yeah. I don't know what the name. I think it was uh, Bal- uh, something with a B. Balerion. Is this the one it? in the depths of King's Landing? Yes, the head of the head of the that dragon is there. That dragon oh, they is said like the name that is gonna drive me nuts. Oh, that's gonna drive me crazy. It's Balerion, no, or Balerion? Yeah, like Balerion. it's something like that. It's a, listeners are just <laughs> screaming. I know they're like oh, Balerion. It's, I, I'm pretty sure it's Balerion or Balerion, one of those like that. I'm not sure. No, it's, it's, oh, it's with a B. With yeah, a B. it's with the it's with a B. It's it's Balerion, I think. Yeah. Well, he's like uh. three times bigger than Drogon's size right now. So these babies are still growing. I'm gonna call them babies. I don't care how how big they get. These babies are still growing. So it's puppies. 
I know. That's, I, I see a grown dog, I say, oh my god, the puppy. You know, I see Me a grown too. kitty, oh my god. I see a grown cat, I see the kitty. Like, I don't care. Um, guys, is there any last thing you want to talk about as far as Danny coming in to save people? Um, or Benjen saving uh, John before we get to, like, that last Danny and John scene and the uh, Night's Watch? The Night's Watch. The Night King? We're never going to get a talk between um, the little brother and the big brother with like with John and um, um, Bran, but I think it would have been nice to to be able to, to to get like oh Uncle Benjamin saved you, he saved me too like but no we're not gonna get that but it would have been nice I, that that that's all I'm asking I'm adding yeah. for at the end. I kind of um, feel like Bran may have informed Benjamin just based off the fact of Benjamin's uh, mentioning that he was acquainted with the world of the three eye Raven and the children before he may have sent him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And Benjamin has skills, like even before becoming half white, half human, he has skills of being in the night's watch and being a soldier of how to like scout and uh, know his surroundings and his place. So it's, not unbelievable that Benjamin would get there at the right time. I mean, to be honest, guys, I play a lot of video games where I have to control uh, my my character to go and protect other people. And I can tell you, after five years of playing that game, a lot of times I get people saying, oh my god, you came at the right time. So if I can come at the right time to heal my <laughs> 80 carries, he can come at the right time to save, to save Jon Snow. Okay. We have to talk about video games off this podcast <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I mean, that's um, how I treat this show sometimes. Like a RPG, like it's quests and raid <laughs> bosses and casualties and uh, people coming to the rescue at the right time. I mean, it's just, yeah. it, it's what makes it fun. And then when we do get a death, guys, I think it will be meaningful. I think uh, it will make sense. And I'm, I'm going to wait till the series is over or until certain characters die to judge whether or not if they should have died in this episode. Like, we thought maybe Jorah should die or Beric. I want to see if they are going to die in this show, if it was worth it at that, that time or now. So, I reserve my judgments, because we'll mm. see. I need Good to see, point. you know, because this would have been heroic, too. I think the, the mission was dumb, but that's why I guess I don't really want them to die, because I feel like... It, it is John's fault. It's John's fault that Viserion died. It's John's fault that Thoros is dead now. Uh, I don't want to put that blame anymore on John right now. I don't think he can afford that. So, Wasn't that, um, like, Tyrion's plan, plan, though? That's true. Oh, shit, yeah. was it? Damn, it was Tyrion's fault. Never mind. I was going to say, I don't Tyrion know if we pin the entirety John, of this on John. But, John. but John apologized, though. He's the one that, that apologized to Danny, and it was very meaningful in that scene. Because, I mean, let's just go to that. I mean, after Benjen saves John, uh, and they, they wait there for him, and they take him on the boat, and he's all, like, sexy and undressed, and Daenerys <sighs> is watching him, and all turned on. Sexy and undressed, um, and freaking holes they, they everywhere. Went in there. They went in there, but of course she was checking out the, the scars and stuff, but you know she was checking out other stuff, but she was just kind of shocked, like, damn, like, you know, you you hear the stories, or you hear what Davos, you know, getting carried away, as John put it, to Daenerys, but he really did have those scars on him, and she waits, she sits by his bedside, 
and waits there and they they talk she apologizes or he apologizes to her and she says you know what it's okay i would have never seen it but she still cries in front of him and he holds her hand and oh my god guys i'm dying all the feels like i'm i'm so sad but i i finally feel that real romantic connection between them um no oh it's not that i want i think you've been feeling it for a while Brittany. yeah but but well that at first it was just the eye sex the eye fucking that's it Mm -hmm. but here it's the actual (laughs) hand uh and and, in these type of shows too it's not about like getting them and kissing them like how it is in modern shows it's about the the small looks the glances the yearning and the small touches and we finally got to the touches which is he's touching a queen you know you're not really supposed to do that the only one that ever really does that is jorah and he's kind of okay because well she doesn't feel about him that way but she cares about him (laughs) like i said danny danny's never really had close people so she keeps them at arm's length she only has a few people that are allowed to you know hold her hand or touch her or whatever so to know that john grabs her hand and says i'm sorry and i understand and she lets him and then she grabs her his hand later it's just oh my god just kill me now Aura, how'd you feel about this scene <laughs> i think you know how i felt about this scene yes <laughs> it was i was watching this with my boyfriend and um <laughs> I was I was just yelling throughout no. this scene. <laughs> like, I was legit. My mom was yelling. Okay, my I mom was screaming. yelling. A Catholic woman was yelling for the incest. Like telling you right now. <laughs> I, I've given up. By the way, I am no longer. I like, I still have the exact. Yeah, both of us are just kind of like. <laughs> We've been through this so many times. Like. I just, I, I, I literally, you guys, I'm going to get an Ancestry fucking dot com account just to just cement this for you. It, uh, I don't know. I, I've just given up at this point. I, I've kind of just accepted the fact that it's going to happen. It's going it to hint at that, but like you said, with the hand grab and, well, oh, It I was very know. soft. It, it didn't feel forced to me. I think it was a genuine moment where we never really see Danny feel, or we never really see Danny be that invulnerable or invulnerable like that that vulnerable but because she is Mm -hmm. a queen and i think uh the only times we ever saw her like be very scared and very you know like reserved was when uh viserys was still in her life and she was the khaleesi you know and he used to hit her he used to abuse her and uh she was very scared and she feared him but now She's just like, you know, I'm a queen. I need to be, I need to act like a queen. I, I must not show emotion. But here she is with this guy who won't bend his fucking knee. But she still cries in front of him like that. that just and then he says in that scene, you know, like I was saying earlier, it, it, Danny needed to prove herself a good queen and a good person. Not, not, not just one. It has to be both of them. And John's like, you know, she didn't have to go herself. To go and save. I'm kind of wondering if she can kind of command the dragons to go by themselves. I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, nah. Because then they're just going to like be an yeah, SO just chilling. Yeah. Okay. So then she needs to go with them. But see, she she puts herself in danger to go and save them. Uh, and she's able to see what's going on. And then she pledges, you know, I now she has beef with the Night King. I don't know if I would have cared if she had something personal with him. I think it still makes her a good character to just see the white and then be like you know what, i'm gonna help you 
but they really made it personal, so I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now she's going to be with John, and like, yeah, let's do this. Let's kick their asses. Yeah. Um, and I'm totally cool with that. And I absolutely love that scene. I didn't know I Me wanted too. it, but I got it. it was- oh, I knew I wanted it. <laughs> okay, I didn't know I wanted it right now. Like, I keep saying every episode when they look at each other, like, kiss, kiss. But the hand touches were just a really nice touch, and it's oh the type of God. stuff I like. My I like it. Yeah, it's the type of stuff I like in like medieval times or period pieces. Kind of like uh, if you guys are familiar with Pride and Prejudice, the movie, the 2005 film, uh, we have Mr. Darcy always like kind of holding uh, Elizabeth's hand sometimes, and she kind of looks at him like, "Oh my God, like you touch my hand, like it's so forbidden, it's so taboo." Scandal. Yeah, and I just I love that. And here's a queen, and well, I guess a king, and they're being very intimate Soon like that. Priscilla, do you have anything to say about this, or are you just letting it go? I am just letting it go. Like, I know that it's going to happen, and it's it's so funny, because I watch <laughs> I watch the show with my dad, and he's like, um, he, he's like the casual viewer, too. And he watches it, and he's like, yeah, family knows family. And I'm like, nope, that's not <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Blood is thicker than water, yes. Oh, uh, it's, um, <laughs> it's literally the point. I just, I can't. <laughs> I'm just accepting it. I just, you guys have broken me down. Yeah. episode. Yeah. So I'm not I, I, for I, it, but I've just accepted it. Like I'm no longer going to bring up the obvious fact that she's his aunt. Like we know it. You guys, everybody knows it. I just. <laughs> Oh my gosh, when he's when he's like my queen, I'm like, oh my god. I know, I'm like I said, just dead, like, shipper, shipper down, shipper down, ship down. Um yep. Okay, to wrap up the Danny and John stuff, there was just something I wanted to bring up that was coming out through the episode and um first off, it's in that scene with Tyrion and Danny that they're talking uh, way before uh, the middle of the episode where she leaves to go and save them, it's the moment where they're talking about her succession line. Tyrion's talking about, you know, if you're going to be going out and fighting in these wars, and, you know, I saw you there, like at the Battle of the Gold, what was it, the Gold Train or whatever, the Loot Train attack, you know, you didn't have any armor, you know, all the all the arrows could have hit you. You know, you're lucky they didn't. But what happens if you get injured? Like, who's going to rule? Um, and he does bring that up again, too, when she does go to leave. Like, you know, if you die, we have nothing. But she gets a little, like, uh, defensive about that. And I, I think I get where she's coming from. Because we, we are to believe, as is she, because it comes from her, that she is barren. We were supposed to believe that she is because of what happened with the magic. Uh, that's what she says. Oh, in uh, season one with the yes, baby. Yes, with what happens with the baby and everything. But mm. what if it was just in that moment what happened and she's traumatized by that and she really believes she can't have kids. So there's that because she doesn't, she, she tells Tyrion, after I've gone the throne, we can talk about it. Like, I still think that is a very sore subject for her and I'm wondering if if it is true then now she's barren because she worked with like blood magic and that's forbidden and it's really bad and that's the price she pays or if that was like a one time thing where she lost that kid and her husband 
and that was just so traumatizing that she believes that she cannot have any kids but no um, well, remember like the whole thing when like when the sun rises in the east and yeah in the west but that when was the for mountains her, blow but that was for drogo that was for if yeah. Drogo was going to be alive or walk again or something like that. No, but, but then when you're when you're when you're when your womb quickens with a child, like that's part of it. Like I, think, I, I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, he said she said that. So I'm thinking that she's she's legit barren. Like there's no way she can have a kid. I thought it was three things. Mm. Where the sun rises in the. Uh, in the what was it in the east and sets in the west or something like that and then when the mountains blow in the wind and then the third thing I don't remember what it was um, I thought that's what that's those three things were because of Drogo but then she also lost her kid because she traded her kid's life for Drogo and yeah he ended up being a vegetable so she had to kill him but uh, those are like the theories going on that she is just so traumatized by that that she believes she's barren um, but we never get that story again, even when she's sleeping with Dario. She never gets pregnant from him. and uh, Or if she did, we don't know if she had a miscarriage. We just It's never been answered, but she's defensive and she tells Tyrion to drop it until they get the throne thing. Then we have Jorah talking to Jon about passing Longclaw to his children. And in that moment, I'm not thinking about him and Danny having kids. I'm thinking about... Damn, uh, yeah. you know, I was thinking about... When was the last time John really thought about settling down and having a family? I feel like John's never really had that, especially since yeah. the first thing he did when we it saw greets. this. It greets. I'm well, sorry. Yeah, I don't know if he ever thought of kids with her, though. I think it was just like they were in love and stuff. But if we're going to go with Ygritte, then he hasn't thought about that since, since, since her. And then same mm-hmm. with Danny. He's never thought about that since she was pregnant with Drogo's child. Like She didn't want to even have one with Dario. It never even came up. He was more in love with her than she felt anything for him. So now we had Jorah talking about family. And then we got it again here where Danny's telling John, you know, they are the only kids I'm ever going to have. And that, that could be interpreted in two ways in that she's telling him he's, she's barren and she cannot have kids. Or two, that she doesn't want to have kids and these are going to be the only kids she'll ever have. Um, I think that's up for interpretation for the viewers because I don't know. But from that, my theory is John has magical sperm and she's going to get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is okay. actually not your zaniest theory so far. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your, your worst one out there. Um, oh, I think, uh, I mean, she hasn't really done with the proper, the, the steps that you, you would do in this situation, hopefully in modern life. And, you know, listeners, if you are Go to Planned Parenthood. They're awesome. Just She doesn't have that, but you do. Go do that. But she has nothing really to base this belief on. I think you might actually be uh, right on this front, Brittany, that she... Uh, it may be psychosomatic. It may be that she just has internalized this belief about herself because of the trauma of losing uh, the child and, you know, dealing with not just the death of Drogo, but the euthanization of Drogo and having to be the one to do that. I think that experience uh, was like a turning point for her character. It definitely, we saw a different Daenerys after that. And it really was the first step uh, that she took to becoming the woman that she is today after, you know, Astapor and Marine and all of that stuff in Essos. It, I'm interested to, to really dig in and see how they're going to 
develop this character further. I'm interested to see the direction that the writing is going to go in because we don't have a lot of time. I, I, and I'm trying not to think about that, but the clock is running. You know, we have one episode left, and then this last episode is really going to set up the final chapter of Game of Thrones. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. that's why they're putting little hints uh, in this episode. Like, they talked about children, like, three times, and then last episode, yeah. too. So, it has to be pointing somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, maybe, Priscilla, you might know. I think in the books, Danny declares that she would never love again and never have a kid again. I don't remember if it's one or the other or yep. both. And I don't know if that's just, like, a passionate speech, but she does say something like that. So... Mm-hmm. And I that, think I but, remember that. Yeah, I know she says something along the lines of that. So I'm wondering if that's just like all truth or just like a passionate speech because she hasn't fallen in love again. Because I know in the books too, she's not very in love with Dario. She's more of like lusting. Like and she gets what she wants with, with him. You know, she gets to sleep with him all the time, but that's not yeah. love. So I'm wondering... Well, she simply not- could have just met it at the time or excuse me, meant it at the time. I think that... That would be not a completely uh, unrealistic reaction to yeah. the death of your spouse. And, I, you know, well, I don't know. I don't know if she says it at the time of after, like it happens, or like later on, way after it happens, and she declares. I don't. I don't know the timeline uh, of that. Yeah. So we we would probably have to check into that, and we'll probably talk about it next podcast. Uh, Credit so I'm pretty sure that's good. Yeah, that's going to be something a topic anyway. We need to talk about, but. The reason why I think they're hinting it now is because it's going to be a plot point for next year because that's something I think none of us have really talked about. Maybe like a couple of conversations, but nothing to really think about because it has been about the Targaryens ruling the throne and her getting it and breaking the wheel. But what comes after that? What happens after mm-hmm. she dies? What is her legacy yeah. if she oh cannot God, have kids? And I'm not. I wish they had like a. <laughs> and I wish they had like adoption here and stuff like that. That'd be cool, but. They're making it a point. To, yeah, see, you know, they're really making it a point to talk about her succession line. So I, I feel like that's going to go somewhere, and I feel like it has to do with John. And same thing with John. John's not always talking about like his son or his daughter or what he's going to have. The only time he ever talked about it was with Sam and how he didn't want to sleep with the whore because he didn't want to get her pregnant and have a bastard. So mm, yeah, you know, just a lot to, to to take in with that. But I think that was a very powerful scene lots of layers um except on john's uh chest there is no layers there just bare chest sexy chest (laughs) um uh and just really good stuff and i can't wait for more i'm pretty sure we're gonna have some more we don't have time right now honestly to think about kids uh there's too much on our plate right now and i can i can excuse me i can see why daenerys like her list of priorities like probably having a kid is like number 10 or like number eight or so or not even i don't even know if it's on her list so makes well, sense like, go ahead i don't know i was thinking like maybe uh she can get pregnant and she will get pregnant with john and then john special sperm die. yeah oh and you had to be, like, <laughs> so the then so then so then the john's end. worst fear is happening is that he's gonna have a child and he's gonna be a bastard well but john's not gonna be a bastard well, yeah, he's not gonna have unless a they have uh, unless they elope to like Pintos. Well, just... they can like marry and like. Oh, oh my god, you guys are creating they could do what the meant, rest of their I mean, family I mean, did and have a said, secret wedding. No, when she said he's gonna die, like I was like, so then he is gonna be a bastard, even if he. Well, 
without a dad. I mean, and not in the literal sense where he's not. They're not legitimate. Just that his dad's gonna be dead and. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that in that sense. Why would you do this to me? No, but I get what you're. I get what you're saying. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I thought. I thought of it. I just thought of it. Like, could that could be the bittersweet ending that we're gonna get? No, no, no. I don't. No. Ah, now you made me sad. I'm all sad for this sexy, this sexy shirt. Cannot compute. She. Well, we broke Brittany with that one. <laughs> I'm the three-eyed raven. I'm the three-eyed raven. Too much uh, info for the future. Um, yeah. Last I mean, guys, we only have one more scene to talk about, uh, which is just the resurrection of Assyrian. Guys, one, did you expect this? Two, how cool is it? Um, really I fucking thought... is how cool I would describe really it. As. Sorry, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw it coming from a mile away. Same. Like, like um, someone has to bring this up, you know, like over... In uh, on Janice, uh, Janice, <laughs> side, um, someone should bring this up because like it's so obvious. They even burned um, Thoros when he died because they didn't want them to bring him back. So like, why, like, you know? And they they did see the the bear that was um, also a white. And I feel like you know all these uh, little scenes led up to this. And as soon as he died, I was like, okay, like, this is going to happen. It's inevitable. But I have to say, when it did happen, it was really cool. Like, yeah. the way yep. the way this scene was uh, constructed. The eye, it was, yeah, the eye was so blue. and it was I just, know. It's so pretty. Is he going to blow eyes or fire? Um, mm. How about I, blue, blue fire? Blue, blue fire. fire. I'll be blue fire. I, I think ice. I think it has to be ice. I, think that I don't really know how he... I'm thinking about the physics of that. Yeah, me too. Well, I don't know. He, he died drank a whole bunch of fucking lake water. Yeah, he died in cold out. water. <laughs> I, 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 that, <laughs> possibly. I, I just don't know. Unless... I think Blue Flame may be what we, what we end up um, seeing. It... It was really hard to deal with. Um... Because not only was this an emotionally significant moment, but in terms of the game board, the the you know the the great game in all caps, um, this is a game changer. Uh, we did learn, like we discussed a little bit ago, that if you kill a, a general or a major of the the White Walkers, that the ones that are immediately around them disperse. And when I saw that, that gave me a surge of hope. I'm like, okay. So what they don't need to do is take in, you know, six billion of these things. They really can make targeted strikes, which would be reasonably, you know, plausible with the dragons. Um, but the last five minutes of this episode uh, completely changed that. And with um, Viserion being uh, undead or whatever it is, this is, I mean, it's going to take a lot. How do you kill an undead dragon? I mean, how it, it I, it's going to be a, a force to be reckoned with in the wars to come or the war that's here. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's going to be good. And also knowing that there can be undead animals that just makes it seem like we're gonna have undead like random things probably coming out when we start fighting these squirrels. guys like we're gonna have undead squirrels we're gonna have undead i don't, I don't know why i was thinking insects it was like undead roach i'm like they're already undead they're not even alive i know so 
Um, I've heard rumor, or not rumors, I know in the books there's things of undead spiders, spoilers. I don't know if they're going to do that uh, in the game because oh, please don't. I think they're giant spiders. So yeah, I don't know if that's... Spider. Yeah, see, I don't know if that's too fantasy-ish because I don't, I don't know where those things are. Like, are are they beyond the wall? I guess they could be beyond the wall because anything can live over there that you don't know about. Um, if there's giants, I mean, I guess there could be giant spiders uh, to match. Uh, so <laughs> at this point, expect anything. But I think the dragon uh, just completely changes the game. I get where you guys are going with blue fire. Some people are thinking that the dragon is going to uh, burn down the the wall with the with the fire, the blue fire, or maybe he's gonna give the wall frostbite with, the, with, with snow. I mean, I don't know. Um, and that's just one more thing I wanted to add to you guys that people were talking about how the the plan was really stupid, which we can all confirm it is. And why did they go Dumb. there? Outstandingly dumb, moronic but, even. Okay, so it was dumb from the the humans' perspective, but what about the Night's King? Because like I, w I was trying to make a sarcastic comment earlier when I was like, yeah, the Night King just comes in with his spears. Like, we never saw him with spears before. It's like, here he came prepared. How did he know that dragons were going to come and that he was going to get one? This seems like a trap. <laughs> This all looked like a trap, like he got wind of them being here, and when he got there, he got time to prepare. It's like he knew Daenerys was coming with not one dragon, but three, and he got one. So I feel like this Night King is very scary. And when we see well... him when we see him going to, to go and throw it, there's fire around him, and he lowers the fire. So this guy yeah. can't be burned either. This guy is like all magical. So... Yeah. He is. I'm wondering if because the same magic that the children, you know, infused Bran with and the same magic that created himself, the Night King, was you know, born as a direct result of the children of the forest, uh, who we know are deeply connected to the Three-Eyed Raven. I'm wondering if in his transition, any of their magic uh, was absorbed or maybe even if it was... Um, uh, an offshot or just I'm wondering if that affected him at all because one core thing that is still a giant mystery and um, is a big question mark in the world of Game of Thrones is what do they want they're not eating these people they're not the the motivations are incredibly blurry and they the, I think the writers have teased a little bit about seeing a little bit more about into what that is moving forward but I think one of the things that makes the White Walkers so deeply frightening is that they are their their motives are a complete enigma what is it that they're going for you know outside of just sheer death and um, destruction I mean there it seems like they are sentient to some degree um I've kind of thought that like since you know the the children of the forest created them to um kill the first man so mm -hmm. i thought that was just like ingrained in their brain that they must kill um humankind oh so, that's kind of what i thought shit. but it might be just something else yeah, no, that's what I was dude, thinking about, That's too. next level. That, yeah. And they're not blindly doing it, too. We talked about this. Like, yes, they're kind of... They look like zombies. They run like zombies. They kill you like zombies. They tear you apart like zombies. But they're also being controlled. They're, the Night King is telling them, you know, go after them. Or stay put. Or, you know, go over here. Go over there. Like, they're being controlled, which makes them a lot scarier than hordes of crazy 
you know, mindless zombies because these mm -hmm. guys have minds and they're being controlled. And that, although you could say that's an easy target then, right? Just go for the Night King. But we just got a display of him not being like invulnerable to fire or putting it out and being a javelin Olympic, like, Olympics, <laughs> like this. And I have yet to see him like one-to-one, -one, like 1v1 me, bro. Like I haven't seen that yet. Right. And it scares me that if they go into like open field battle and random humans die, this guy can just rise them up from the dead and he has more new people. Yeah, he, yeah. The, the more you lose, the more he wins. So exactly. it doesn't matter if you're chipping yeah. away so this at is the like, troops. Oh, yeah, so, God. so us talking about <laughs> this, this is where I'm just trying to dip, uh, like put a line between Walking Dead because people are like, oh my God, now it's The Walking Dead. I'm so tired of zombies. I'm like, but they're doing a different twist on it. And I think that keeps it very interesting because to be honest i'm already bored with the walking dead like it's so slow and i'm just like no but here i'm a lot more intrigued by what's going on and i want to see how smart our medieval characters are going to be and like what weapons we're going to need and uh, what else we're going to find out from maybe sam i feel like sam's the next one to to find something interesting that we don't know yet so yeah I just want to say, Aura, I think you cracked it. I literally think that that, I think you're dead on. I think that the motivation behind the White Walkers is that there is no motivation. They are compelled by their original purpose. That over all of these millennia and over thousands of years has remained unchanged. They are created for one purpose, and it seems like they're relentless in their pursuit of that. It kind of lines up with what we know about the White Walkers. Yeah, and I think it's like, you know, like at the moment, it's what makes sense the most because why else? Like, yeah. Do they want to sit on the Iron Throne? I they want to marry right. Jon Snow. They want to marry Jon Snow because he's so pretty. Yeah. They're just like, oh my oh, god. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you see? Did you see the eye sex him and the Night King were having? I just. Uh, Brittany, I am so <laughs> done with you. <laughs> I'm shipping this everything. Is like your undead, ship. undead, and alive, and um. But just a cool thing to, to remember, guys, is that this is the second time that John sees the Night King, but this is a different way he's looking at him. That the first time they meet, John's kind of looking at him at one in like wonder and fear after seeing what that he can bring back the dead. Like that was his introduction, and then this time he sees him again, almost dying, but he's not as afraid. Like he he looked at it. We're we're, we're screaming, John, get back on, get get on the dragon, get out of there, leave. We see John stare him down. And the Night King, like, come at me, bitch. And John's like, oh, I want to. But he sees <laughs> the other guy getting the spear. And the first instinct he does is to tell Daenerys to leave so that she doesn't lose another one of her dragons. But I predict that the third time he sees the Night King is when they're going to fight. And that's, like, really, really exciting to me. Like, I just got goosebumps thinking about that, that... You know, first time is like, oh my god, who is this? Shock, what's going on? Second time is like, bitch, uh, bitch, now I'm coming for you. Like, I'm really coming for you now. And the third time is like, bring it on. Like, it's going to happen. So, oh, just good stuff. I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> anyone else have anything to say before we move on to MVPs? Oh, I just had a comment like that, like, uh, now Danny and uh, Cersei have something to bond over. Mm. <laughs> oh, forbidden romance oh man <laughs> what is going on here no he was talking about the children okay well the incest is accurate too oh, yeah. <laughs> there's like a two well, yeah, uh... uh oh fun fun fact uh 
if people remember or don't, I'll remind you here. Uh, this is like the second time, or maybe the first time, that John's going to be like properly introduced to Cersei. But Cersei has always hated Lyanna Stark. Uh, one, because she was the reason Robert like treated her like shit. Uh, mm-hmm. And two, she wanted to marry Rhaegar Targaryen uh, before marrying Robert Baratheon. She was uh, going to be betrothed to him. Uh, but no, he chose Leon instead and wanted to be with her. So legit, Lyanna's ghost is still haunting Cersei because John Targaryen is there. The product of the person she wanted and the person she hated. Pretty wow. cool. Yes. Do you think she'll find out? Ooh, dude, I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe. It would be nice. I don't want her to find out before John, though. But it's just kind of nice knowing that all of us knowing what uh, who she's up against. And then yeah. you know, the sister of Rhaegar Targaryen, too, is going to be there. It's just all the people going to be in there. That's like about, like, what, 10, 15 characters that we know that are all going to be there. Uh, we know Brienne's being there. I think Podrick's going. Uh, Danny, Tyrion, Bronn, Jamie, uh, John. It's like Westeros Laura. WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm so excited for Brienne, John, Cersei. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, is I don't know if the Hound's going with them. Uh, he could be there. Clegane Bull. People want that to happen so bad. I don't know. Um, yeah. So we'll see, guys. It's going to be an explosion, I think, uh, next next weekend. I think we should expect some good stuff. So, let's jump into Most Valuable Player, guys. I need you to think about it and choose which character impressed you the most and why. If you get the, if you forgot the rules, they're pretty simple. Just state the character that impressed you throughout the episode and why. And don't forget that if someone mentioned the character already, you, can, you must select a different one. So, Aura, you first. Who is your MVP of this episode, and why? Um, wow. I think I'm gonna have to go with John. <gasps> really? Um, like, yeah, I was, you know, I was really annoyed at him, like, not getting on that dragon right away, but, um, the guy is, it's honorable. Like, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's not afraid and he always does the right thing. And I love... I just love that he's so much like Ned Stark, even though he's not even his son. And this episode, um, you know, you saw him really worried about the people who were with him. You know, about his uh, his suicide squad. And uh, <laughs> he was... You know, this mission was stupid, but he was said to it. He had to do it. And... Uh, I think uh, he's he's just so beautiful, such a beautiful man. He could be my MVP <laughs> any day. He's so beautiful, <laughs> inside and out. Okay. Mm-hmm. I hate it, girl. Mm-hmm. Outside. Uh, okay, John, that's a good one. That not who I expected. That uh, I thought you were gonna pick someone else, actually. But John's good. So, Priscilla, who's your MVP and why? Mine has to be Tormund. <laughs> Priscilla, oh you God. stole mine! And I thought <laughs> it was such like, a great choice. How <laughs> dare you? I thought it was so safe. Oh. Sorry, not sorry. It's oh, okay. God. <laughs> Brittany it... always chooses the order. It's all good. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Is this a mutiny to your queen? I mean, your lord commander? <laughs> <laughs> 
he just added some like he he added some levity to like some really harsh situations. He probably helped John like kind of have that leg up to know that he can bow to someone and still be honoring his people. And that really scary moment where he was about to be pulled under the water had my heart pounding like the hardest that entire mm-hmm. episode. I was so worried he was going to die. And I'm glad he didn't. So MVP to Tormund. Yes. All right. Okay, Clay. I feel so bad now. So you can go and I'll go last. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> um, I am going to go with Arya. Just because I feel like she just is a really solid MVP choice for most episodes. Um, I'm really hoping that she is pulling the strings um, for the Puppet Master. I hope. I, I really hope that she is out Littlefingering Littlefinger and that her Santa and Bran are doing... You know, that's my sincere hope. Um, I was going to pick Tormund, but I... I I love Maisie Williams, the evolution that we've seen of this actress as she's kind of grown into her craft on this show. And these scenes this season have been some of her best. Even when I have beef with the episodes, I almost never have any beef with the Arya storyline. So I will go with Arya for this week. Or Arya. Wow. I'm surprised that everyone's picked because I thought my number one would get taken. But I was going to be okay with it because my second one was actually going to be a really big surprise. But I guess I got to go with my number one then. Um, I choose Danny. I think she defied Tyrion for like the third time. Um, and while that has some casualties, a really big casualty, and probably the worst turn of events for the enemy. For, 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 no, I'm not, not for the enemy. For the good guys. I mean, they didn't have a dragon before. She went over there. Now they have a giant because she went, but she saved all the people we loved. Um, and I got to give it to her. She went in there without any armor, but she went in that beautiful outfit. She was ready for winter, man. Winter came. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was nice. And she was there. And she, you know, she, I honestly, aside from thinking Rhaegal was going to come and save uh, John, I thought she would come back with Drogon and save him. Um, that was like my second theory, but she actually waits at the wall for him. Like we got a lot of Danny in here. We got the succession story, Danny. We got Tyrion telling Danny that she thinks uh, he thinks Jon Snow's in love with her, and she's like, he's too little for me. But that's kind of like that whole when you you're teasing your friend, like, dude, he's in love with you, and your friend's like, oh my god, no, he's not, but you know he is, or vice versa, guy, girl, you know, guy, guy, girl, girl mm-hmm. whatever. Whatever. You know, you try to deny it, but it's there. Um, (laughs) It reminds me of that song from Hercules that I'm not going to sing because I don't want to get sued. No way. I won't say. But you know what? what? He didn't say that she was in love with him. He was talking about all the men that have been in love with her. So um, there's that. Uh, So I just think we got a lot of different Danny in this episode and probably in the best way possible. And probably Mm -hmm. some of Amelia Clark's strongest acting uh in the entire series i think she's always been solid she's always had badass scenes and maybe a couple of heart like wrenching scenes but this was heartbreaking uh we haven't seen her this devastated i think since jorah left her or that she had to let go of jorah so but this was a whole different type of heartbreak you know she lost a child so 
Danny just she came to the rescue, but at the cost of a child. So I'm wondering how this is gonna turn her character. Uh, is it gonna make her more mad, or is it gonna make her stronger? So definitely Danny for me. Um, lastly, guys, we just we just gotta rate the episode. Um, basically, a one to ten silver stags. Uh, don't forget the point system is allowed, but if you deem the episode more than 10, you may grant it a golden dragon coin. So, I'm going to go in reverse, and I think I remember how I have you guys, so bear with me. <laughs> I'm going to give it a gold dragon coin. I Really? Pro- yeah, I would have probably given it a 10 out of 10 if I did not re-watch it. Rewatching it really helped me put into perspective the Winterfell storyline, because that dropped it to like an entire like 9.5 to 10 uh, uh, rating for me. I was really annoyed. Well, not annoyed. I was just very frustrated with what was going on, and I really hated how this is the second time they downplay Sansa's like uh, journey and traumatic... Um, Storylines. I really don't like how, Ar- especially Arya, saying that she can think of a lot of ways of torture, but that for Sansa, it wasn't very tortury as bad as she could think of it. Like I didn't like a lot of that stuff, but rewatching it really put into perspective of my theory that I think they're playing Littlefinger, and I think they're playing us as well. Like they're not just playing him; they're playing us, and I think that's very clever. Frustrating still. But clever. It didn't take away with what the East Watch or the Fellowship of the White was doing. That was just so enticing that it overshadowed the Winterfell stuff. So it was a golden mm. dragon coin for me. It was very well done. Lots of tears, lots of anxiety, lots of anger, lots of laughter. It just had everything I really liked. So, mm. Clay, give me your rating. All right. Um... I love this this rating. I'm not going to do too many qualifiers because I just want to jump in. But again, as I say every week when I rate this, um, best episode of Game of Thrones better than the worst <laughs> episode of other shows. I'm going to actually give this one a 7.5, which is the lowest that I've gone on this podcast. Um, it was uh, a good episode, but it did not feel like the penumulate episode. It did not feel like this was um, going to be the episode that was going to really kick off the final chapter, the final stretch of Game of Thrones. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how, you know, we're okay with them omitting things because, you know, we don't have time for it. And I think fundamentally, they, you know, kind of elected to shorten the season. And I think, you know, I was kind of on board with it when I heard it because I was thinking, oh my goodness, you know, each one of those is going to be very, very packed. We're getting closer to the end. But really, this episode, while it was good, um, is not one that will really, like, be a huge standout to me in the canon of Game of Thrones, save for Viserion's death. That was one thing that I definitely was really emotionally effective. But the rest of it, um, there were parts of it that felt like fan service in a good way, and there are parts of it that felt a bit on the nose, if that makes sense. And kind of, like I said earlier, it was a little bit... Uh, it was There are parts of it that were campy. And I, I love camp, um, but not necessarily in my Game of Thrones. And I think we talked about that a little bit and missing the richness of those really intense dialogue scenes and the, the slow burn and the build-up. So, um, yeah, all in all, I'm going to give this one a 7.5. Fair enough. You gave your reasonings, and I totally understand it. Not no okay. hate, no nothing. I feel you, bro. You're not gonna um, beat me up after the show. You're not gonna. Okay. I'll consider it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just kidding. Priscilla, what is your rate for the episode? 
This is about the first time that Clay and Aura changed my my ratings instead of you because usually Ooh! you're the one that like <sighs> it up, but they they high five Aura, we did it! All right, Spiritual world domination. <laughs> What's the so, shipping? Wasn't it? It was the shipping. The incest, wasn't it? No, actually, like that was actually a pretty like strong, like a powerful scene. Like <laughs> I liked that chemistry, like seeing it. It's it, it's interesting, but um, I don't know. It's, it it really does feel like that Winterfell scene. Like you you gotta get a little give give the viewers something because right now like we feel like. We're, we're digging, yeah, we're digging for something to make this, like, make sense to us. Because if not, then Arya's just being, like, ridiculously mean to her sister. And her sister's mm-hmm. being, like, not not treating her as a threat. Like, it's, it's, it's annoying. And that ding this, this, like, at least maybe, like, two coins down. So I give it, like, an eight. It's, it's still, like, a really good episode. And... De- granted like the dragon was heart-wrenching to see and I love mm-hmm. the little dialogue but I also agree that I miss slow burns I miss being surprised when you have like this really long conversation that plays out and shows you more uh, as to the heart of a character and you don't really get that anymore you get little tidbits this this episode so eight definitely an eight mm-hmm. all right that's a good analysis. I feel you. I feel you. I'm sad. I think I really think it's my incest stuff. I think I need to play. That. I'm just kidding. Aura, <laughs> 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 how'd you feel? Or how'd you feel about this? Oh my god. How, what do you rate this episode and why? Um. Yeah, I'm gonna go with an eight as well, because I think that the two things that saved it for me were uh, Viserion and Danny and John. Like his death picked up your rating. What is this? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, like uh, the scene, you know, yes. the feeling that it gave me. Like I'm not <laughs> happy that he. Died. I see how you rate. Okay, I'm just kidding. Oh my, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, guys. <laughs> uh, no, but like I was, like you know, I get where you're coming from. Where with like, uh, um, that. I'm I'm also hoping that this is, you know, something that they're both planning out. But we don't have that. Like, we don't see that. And right now, it's just really, really annoying. Like, mm. I love Arya. And I hate that I hate her right now. That I don't yeah. love her at all. So, like, it just makes me, you know, You're so frustrated to like, yeah. to, like, see them like this and like i'm 100 percent on sansa's side this time um, yes and i just feel so bad for her because of everything that she's been through and like i said before this whole winter sorry winterfell storyline uh is feeling like like filler um unless you know they do something with it and if they do it has to be next episode because i don't want to wait till net next season to be like to still like you know give it a chance right and, like something has to happen next episode like Littlefinger um has to go or like something has to happen for me to like not hate this storyline <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah and like as you know I also hated the fact that the, they went on this mission and they were basically 
uh, no casualties besides, of course, uh, Viserion. But like, you know, they and? they went against this huge army, and like only the extras died. Like, come on, and Thoros, yeah. One. <laughs> I can't yeah, believe y'all y'all are rating this bad because favorites didn't die. I'm so sad. No, but I, I feel you guys. I feel I feel you guys. But I have faith that the people that we expect to die, or not specifically who, but that people in general, people that we love that are in in these groups, I feel that their death will be more impactful when they do die. If not, y'all can just come and yell at me. Be like, Brittany, I told you. Worth it. I'd be like, okay. I told you, Brittany. You didn't. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I'll totally take it. I just, uh, <laughs> I hope that the writers have uh, some really good storylines for, like, you know, keeping Barrack alive. And um, and Jorah, because a lot of people thought Jorah's, like, death was, like, coming. Like, they're like, oh, he got his grayscale healed real quickly. He went back to Danny. They had a really emotional goodbye. People were foreshadowing that goodbye as like his final one uh, and the, everybody was thinking he'd die in this episode and I was one of them I was like he could but he mm. didn't so that just means they're gonna serve more or maybe they're dying next episode we know a lot of these characters are going to the capital and that's gotta mean something if all of our favorite characters if all the main game uh, players are in one place and probably the most dangerous place they can be in I think we're gonna have some casualties, so oh, yeah. you know, yeah. with, without further ado, I, I know we can just keep talking and predicting, but um, <laughs> and now our watch has ended. Join us next time for a brand new installment of the Throne Room. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for The Throne Room and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Co-host, what do we say to the god of death? Not today. Not today. (laughs) (laughs) Please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, Good night, everybody. Everyone. Good night. Thank you guys so much for, for listening, supporting. Um, we love you. Hearts, kisses, hugs. Puppy dogs. Dragons. <laughs> and kitties. <laughs> and dragons. dragons. And kitties. <laughs> Rest in peace, Viserion. We will miss mm. you. And we can't wait to see you come back. Well, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> mm. I am am excited to see TBD, TBD. Exactly. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Throne Room every Thursday via iTunes and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. For the night is dark and full of terrors. Good night.